Well, greetings and salutations, everybody. Welcome to the best damn move related show on the planet Earth, the John Campy Show. Coming to you from right here on my YouTube channel. I am, of course, your host, John Campia, and it is an awesome honor and privilege, as it is every day, to have you, our international friends, gather around as we talk about our favorite things in the world, movies, movie news, TV, and streaming, and all sorts of good stuff. And it's in our rearview mirror. Spider-Man, No Way Home has come and gone. It's now behind as well. No, it's not gone. It's still in theaters. We're going to be talking about that a little bit today. We're also going to be talking about a number of other really interesting things here. The Lost City trailer came out and looks so really good. There may be a kick-ass reboot. What? That and a couple things other. And joining me here today, of course, is Kimberly Ann Curran. Kimberly, how you doing? Good morning, guys. I'm emotionally exhausted. How are emotionally you? Emotionally exhausted is a good way to put it. And right beside her is also the emotionally exhausted yeah, Ray yeah, Ora. Ray, yeah. how you doing, man? Good, 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 man. Good it's good to have, good have you guys here. And of course, yesterday we had our private screening. We had our private screening yesterday. Actually, let me see if I can pull this up. I should have had this up and ready to go, but we had our great, wonderful, fun private screening yesterday of Spider-Man No Way Home, where we invited a number of our viewers to come with us. This is a picture of us just before going into uh, the theater last night to go and watch it. It was a great group of people, had a wonderful time, and we all got to watch the movie together. And, and we'll give our non-spoiler thoughts on the movie a little bit later in the show, but a big thank you to uh, everybody who came out yesterday to join me and Kim and Ray and, and Ann and Rob was there and uh, it was good to have all of you guys to come in with us. So thank you to everybody who came out and participated in that day with us yesterday. All right, here's how today's show's gonna go. Uh, what's up, Ray? Oh, yeah. That monitor's not on? Yeah, yeah. The, the monitor's monitor. not on? Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry about that. Let me get your monitor on for you. Okay. Uh, that should do it, right? Yeah, there you go. Oh, there we go. Sorry. We're dealing with technical issues today because we had to swap a lot of things in and out. Anyway, guys, here's how today's show is going to go. We're going to break it into two parts. In the first half of the show, we're going to talk about some predetermined topics. Then in the second half of the show, we're going to take your live questions. Now, we're not going to take comments today. And I got to point out something, a bit of a, a technical mistake that I made today, and I, I apologize for it, but we are not going to be taking comments today, only questions. Now, normally on the show, we take comments via the Super Chat, and we had our Super Chat turned on because we have our Spider-Man open spoiler discussion on Sunday, and I totally forgot to turn it off while we're doing this show. So a bunch of you guys sent in some comments before I had a chance to turn them off. Don't worry, we're going to read those comments during the Spider-Man open spoiler discussion. So we're not going to be able to read them today, but we will read them on the Spider-Man open spoiler discussion. So we are going to take questions today, though. Now, if you want to get a question in on the show or an upcoming companion video, simply go down to the description of this video and you'll see a tip link. Click on that there or enter it in manually simply at www.streamelements.com slash movieblogtv slash tip. You'll be getting your question read on a show if, of course, we deem your question appropriate to be used on our show. And, of course, you'll be supporting our channel at the same time and all of us involved with the John Campia Show. Thank you guys so very much for your support. Also want to remind you guys, if you need your daily fix of the John Campia Show but you can't be in front of a YouTube video, good news, there is the audio-only version of the show that we call the John Campia Show Podcast. Simply go to your favorite podcasting app of choice, search for the John Campia Show Podcast, and subscribe to it today. So it'll be there when you need it. And all of us, thank you guys who have already subscribed to our podcast. All right. With that down, let's do a couple of off the tops here, shall we? And our first off the top is this. 
it may have flown under the radar because of everything else that's going on, but there was uh, a small kind of indie comic book movie that opened yesterday by the name of Spider-Man No Way Home. Maybe you heard of it, maybe you haven't. Well, apparently a lot of you have because a lot of you went to go see it. Now, we of course know that when we did Ticket Watch 2021, we know that it crashed ticketing websites and all that kind of stuff. But how good was it actually going to do? Because while we heard a lot of reports of people saying, man, I couldn't get tickets for opening day, we also heard a lot of people saying, ah, three days later and I was still able to find tickets. So we were kind of wondering how was it going to do at the box office on its opening? Well, don't ask anymore because it did real damn well on its (laughs) opening night to the tune of about $50 million, which is half of almost like over half of the current pandemic box office record for an opening weekend. And this was just on the Thursday night. Spider-Man No Way Home had the by far largest opening night of any movie in the last couple of years in the pandemic era, making $50 million on its Thursday. This comes just from the folks over at Screen Rant who are saying the following. Uh, With the film finally in theater, Spider-Man No Way Home is already setting box office records by becoming the highest performing Thursday preview sales of the year, according to Fandango. Uh, The MCU threequel also set the record for the best-selling Thursday opener since 2019's Avengers Endgame, surpassing the previous uh, record holder Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker. Deadline has also brought word that the film has grossed $50 million in its opening weekend. The, pardon me, the largest Sony preview and the third highest grossing weekend weekday opener behind Endgame 60 million and Star Wars The Force Awakens 57 million. Uh, the film also currently holds the highest critic and audience approval ratings on Rotten Tomatoes by any live action Spider-Man film. So wow. a movie in the pandemic era has become the third highest Thursday night opening film of all time. I do want to point out to Kimberly, who may be getting some false hope here. That My hope is very real. It made seven million less than Star Wars The Force Awakens did, and Star Wars The Force Awakens did not make two hundred and fifty million in its opening weekend. I'm just just throwing that out there, just so you know. You can throw out whatever you just want. Just don't want to it's get your hopes to too high by these baby. numbers. Mm-hmm. But in all honesty, this is phenomenal phenomenal i mean this is so i mean we all knew this was going to shatter absolutely shatter the existing pandemic era box office opening weekend record which is currently held by venom 2 venom 2 yes more than shang chi yes more than black widow yes more than fast nine venom 2 is the biggest opening box office weekend in the pandemic era the last couple years at 90 million dollars this is going to well more than double that, like double that. But again, I, I, I'm afraid a lot of people are going to hear this statistic and just think, oh, that's interesting. Wrap your heads around this. We are still in a pandemic era. We are still have some areas where there's a lot of restrictions. There are still a lot of people nervous about going to the movie. We're theater. back to wearing masks indoors. We're back to wearing masks and having to wear masks. This movie just became the third biggest in history, only behind a Star Wars movie, and Endgame. That's it. No other movie in cinematic history has had a big... Now, you may... I've already heard the arguments online from some people saying, oh, well, you know, that's only really because 
you know, it's been two years since there's been a movie this big that people want to rush out and, oh, it's just people urge. No, 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 no. You, you can make all those, you can make all those valid points. You can raise all those valid points, but for every valid point you raise about an excuse about why so many people went, there are valid points to be raised about what still kept a lot of people away. No matter which way you try to cut this, right now, a sp any movie opening up on a Thursday and on that Thursday making $50 million is insane. Now, I, I will, just because it's a valid point, Screen Rant also points out something very, very valid, and they say this. It should be noted that unlike most Thursday night previews, which usually start around 6 o'clock, Spider-Man No Way Home started sh having showings earlier on the weekday with some theaters holding screenings as early as noon. In the past, Thursday night box office previews would generally stem from movies launching at midnight or closer to set hour in theaters with Avengers Endgame keeping many audiences in their seats until nearly 4 a.m. with this extended runtime. With theaters still looking to bounce back from the pandemic downsell and studios looking to capitalize on audiences' hungers to see new films on the big screen, it's understandable that Thursday previews have slowly started turning earlier in the day. So I, I will give them that. I will give you that. The fact that this one probably had about two extra screenings and most other Thursday night things. But even given that, this is remarkable. It's amazing. This is absolutely remarkable. It still ain't going to make $250 million opening weekend. I mean, maybe it will. I, I'm still going to keep my money on that. It's not. I mean, listen, it's not on pace. Even with this $50 million opening weekend, it's not on pace to hit $250 million. But, but... In the words of Hamilton, just you wait, just you wait. Are you, are you saying that it's not going to throw away its shot? Is that what you're going to say? Is that what you're saying here? It's not going to throw away its shot. Because just like my country, I'm young, shot. young, what is it? Just like my country, I'm, I'm young, young, scrappy and hungry, scrappy and, and I'm hungry. not throwing away my shot. So that's, that's Spider-Man right now. That's Spider-Man. And sure enough, you know, Ray, I don't know if you noticed it, but last night at the theaters, uh-huh. I haven't seen a crowd like that at the theater. It's been a long time oh, since was, we've seen a crowd like that at the theaters. It was so huge. Many people. Like it was really nice that we had a nice open theater with we lots sure of room because it was a private <laughs> theater. But all but the concession lines were long. When I walked to concessions and I was like, "Oh, let me give it." Oh my god! Yeah, oh, you weren't going to make it. In you weren't going to make it in for the movie. I like fortunately, I didn't for you, cut, but I did say, "Robert, yeah. Broseph, Broseph, hit your sis up and get me a ginger ale." You were bro. lucky that <laughs> Rob Rob was already in line, he was in line. and like, he was able to get your order for you, or else you wouldn't have made it back to the theater in time for the start. No, of the movie. I wouldn't. Have. Oh, and by the way, the start of our movie. Oh my god! Can you understand? It was a private theater, right? <laughs> for some reason, they had it messed up, and they started playing the movie. It's like. Why are there Spanish subtitles on the movie? <laughs> it's like, and I thought maybe that's just something for the scene. But like two minutes passed and everything had these big Spanish subtitles on. So they had to come in, restart the movie for us with a yep. clean screen. But anyway, there was that. So I, I, I said um, to one of the fans sitting next to me, I'm like, you now you can brag that you've seen it 1.85 times right. in one night. <laughs> like y'all, all, like, you people on the East Coast might have seen it three hours earlier than us. But we saw... The first five minutes of the movie twice. Twice. Mm -hmm. Twice. Two times. Not once. Not that piddly little once time. Kim, you're hearing these numbers. These are impressive. What's what's your response to it? We're like, are you surprised to hear it? What are you thinking? My response is that I'm feeling very good about my side of the bet. 
You do know it's still tracking. I know it's still tracking, but let me be great. (laughs) I am very excited. I think it's really great because, like you said, not only is this in a pandemic and, and, you know, we're coming out of the pandemic, but we've got a new variant. We're back to masks. I had to find a crusty mask that was under my car seat because I thought we were done with that. And I was like, oh, let me put this on my face. And you know what? The people came out in droves. Yeah. By the it way, we should so we should busy. clarify for people here that you might be saying to yourself, "Well, wait, I thought LA was still having indoor masks." We live right beside LA County. We're in we're in Riverside County, and in Riverside County, you haven't had to wear masks indoors for mm-hmm. a while. But now it's or California wide, so it yeah. just it just opened up again. So there was that as well, and yet the people still came. It was so busy yeah. at the AMC. It was so busy, and I was just so hopeful and. Man, people were just so excited. And John, you should be getting nervous. I don't know why you're so confident. Good for you on your self-esteem, but uh... I'm just saying, like, if um, for for this movie to get to 250, it would have had to have made about around around probably 60, 65 million for its Thursday, especially with the early screenings. And it came in well under, so I'm still feeling pretty good. Listen. Yeah, I'm but t- we got all those people that are seeing it today and tomorrow. Yeah. Two three four times yeah but everybody signed up when the when the ticket rush happened they all went for the first day so there's going to be a lot of crowds on saturday and sunday now look look let's be clear here i hope you win i hope you win thanks i I will celebrate with you if you win i want to see this thing make all the money the movie's so good (laughs) i just don't think it's gonna be 250 million which is fine again i don't want to hear any of these backward thinking morons going Oh, it didn't make 250 million. Why did Spider-Man fail? It's Either like, oh, way, come on. This thing's going to make like 200 million and that's going to be a massive massive success. It'll be a great weekend. Yes, it's Regardless, be a huge it's weekend. going to be a great week weekend. Uh it'll break some sort of record and yeah. I think um just like Paul Thomas Anderson was hoping that it does well to get people back. And for those of you who don't know what Kim's talking about, we talked about this earlier in the week. Paul Thomas Anderson, of course, he's got his new movie coming out called Licorice Pizza. And he was basically said, look, it seems the cool thing right now that a lot of people are talking about how all combo movies are ruining cinema. He's like, no, they're not. I like these movies. And by the way, we're all, this is what Paul Thomas Anderson, I I respect him so much for this. He's like, we're all trying to figure out a way to get the people to come back to the theaters. Well, you know what's going to bring people back to the theaters, said Paul Thomas Anderson? Spider-Man. Guess what? Dude's a prophet because he's right. Spider-Man is bringing people back to the theaters. And you could already tell people coming out of the theaters just looking forward to coming back again because they just had a great time at the theater. So good on Paul Thomas Anderson for that. Anyway, guys, the question is for you. What do you think about Spider-Man No Way Home hitting $50 million just on its opening Thursday? What kind of box office opening weekend numbers do you think it's going to have? Do you think it can get to that $250 million? I certainly hope it does. I don't think it will, but I certainly hope it does. What do you guys think? Jump down into the comment section below and let us know your thoughts. All right, guys. With that down, let's do one more off the top right now, and that is this. You guys know that one of my, if not favorite, TV show on the air right now is Paramount Plus's Yellowstone. I have fallen in love with this show. I was a little bit late to the game. I didn't pick up on it until it was nearly done season two, and I binged it. I just love it. I'm watching the new season now, of course. Absolutely love it. And I was lucky enough to uh, 
have the opportunity to talk to one of the stars of the show, Jefferson White, who, by the way, is also the host of the official podcast of Yellowstone. Yellowstone has an official podcast. If you want to hear all about it, you can go check it out. But I had a chance to talk today with one of the stars of the show, the guy who plays Jimmy, Jefferson White. Such pleasure. Now, I'm, I'm going to give you guys a heads up and a little bit of a warning. My mic cable died this morning. And so my audio sounds terrible, but who cares about my audio? Jefferson sounds good. Anyway, I wanted to share with you guys my quick conversation here with Yellowstone star Jefferson White. Check it out. Yeah, I mean, they approached me about doing it. And to be honest, yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. I, I sort of figured that I was the right one to do it in part because this whole world is so new to me. And so I, I've really thought of the whole thing as an opportunity to, to talk to the rest of the cast, to talk to some of the creative team, to talk to some of the crew and just ask them questions that I've wanted to ask them for years. You know, this whole world, the Western world, rodeo, cowboy, ranching, that's all very, very new to me. And so, so much of the experience of working on Yellowstone, the show has been just like sort of frantically trying to keep up to learn everything I can. And that's also very much been the experience of the podcast. It's my first time you know, hosting a podcast. It's my first time interviewing anybody. And so what I love about it is I could just kind of approach it from a very authentic place of, uh, of curiosity, in part because uh, I really am truly uh, curious and very excited to get to talk to uh, these artists who I admire so much and pick their brains about their process and keep learning from them, you know? I also got to say I'm a bit curious about it because I love going to Vegas. My wife and I go like seven, eight, nine, ten, ten times a year. And oh. uh, you, you record it at the Wynn, which is actually for recording your first podcast. That's pretty cool. What's that environment like doing a podcast there? Yeah, they really spoiled me. You know, I, it's going to be hard to go back to any other, <laughs> any other environment. It, it's wild. They've got an incredible studio there that they just built. It's the, it's called Blue Wire Studio. It's this like brand new podcast studio they've built basically right sort of in smack dab in the middle of the wind so one of the things i love about it is there's this wall of windows <laughs> so people are just walking by looking in at us recording like it's uh, like it's an aquarium which as you know as someone who is desperate for attention all the time i i really appreciate I one of the things I had to ask you too, because not only is Jimmy unique in the show because he's like our the audience's avatar in that world and he's our guide in the world. When you look at every character, whether it's Rip or Beth or any of the Duttons or anybody else, they've all got their own character issues going on, but they all seem to have all be connected in that one story. Jimmy, this season especially, kind of becomes the one character in the show that actually has his own separate journey and story going on that's kind of even separate from the main storyline and i find that incredibly unique within the show where's jimmy at right now and and i know you can't tell us a lot but where's jimmy going right now like with this story path he's on right now you know it's funny yeah i, I feel the same way it's a really interesting phenomenon um you know so, so jimmy got brought onto the the yellowstone ranch four seasons ago and, and really like that, that's kind of the first place he's ever felt like he's belonged in his life. He's like sort of fighting for a sense of uh, ownership and community there and, he, and he's found it. And so to be sort of banished from that ranch 
you know, halfway across the country, I think was an incredibly difficult thing for him, but also an opportunity to sort of grow in a meaningful way, maybe for the first time. You know, it seems like when, when you see him at the Yellowstone, he's kind of stuck in this state of suspended adolescence. Like he, he doesn't have to take real ownership. He doesn't have to really take responsibility. He keeps kind of, you know, he can sort of cling on to these powerful figures around him and sort of get some sense of identity out of that. You know, he can grab on to Lloyd, grab on to Rip, grab on to Mia and say, okay, I'm okay as long as you approve of me. And it feels to me a lot of like going to Texas for Jimmy and a lot of the experience for me of going to Texas, you know, we took this splinter unit and left Montana for the first time. We all flew on a <laughs> one plane together, us, this, this splinter unit crew and me and Taylor Sheridan who directed all the Texas stuff. The experience of leaving the Yellowstone behind was this huge kind of make or break moment for Jimmy of like, okay, can you stand on your own two feet? And for me as an actor, it was similar. You know, I, I've been lucky to be surrounded by the best actors in the world for the last four years. You know, Kevin Costner, Cole Hauser, Kelly Riley, 4EJ Smith, just brilliant, brilliant actors who I've been able to kind of lean on, you know, and going out to Texas was really for me a kind of make or break moment of like, okay, Jeff, like, it's you right now. Like you, you're, you're working every day. You're up at, you know, six in the morning. You have to work as hard, you know, you have to work every day as opposed to working once a week, like I do when we're in Montana, you know? So it was really this incredible opportunity an incredible gift um, that Taylor gave to me and to the character to sort of an opportunity to stand on his own and like have his own life a little, have his own sort of sense of self separate from these very strong centers of gravity right. that have kept him propped up at the Yellowstone, you know? And as for me as a, as a you know, I, I keep saying young actor, we'll see how long I keep <laughs> pretending I'm a young actor. I keep saying, I feel like a young actor still. I don't know if I'll ever feel like I'm not a young, but, but as someone, you know, relatively new to all this, it's a very unique opportunity to get to sort of be on set every day for a couple of weeks pushing a story forward. You know, that's a really rare gift. Some actors, actors have long careers, long, excellent, you know, celebrated careers without ever getting that opportunity. So as, a, as an actor, I just felt so grateful for the very rare opportunity to step into that level of responsibility, you know? And I may never get it again in my life. I think the truth is too, like, <laughs> A lot of actors who I admire who play sort of ensemble roles, character actors, never really get that opportunity in their whole career. So I, I've just felt so, so grateful for that to go and have my own little, you know, we made this little, the process of shooting it was like leaving Montana to go make this little Jimmy movie that then got cut into, <laughs> you know, five minute scenes for the rest of the season. The, the last thing I wanted to ask you about was it, there seems to be this really delicate balance because I, I feel like for Yellowstone to work as a show for the audience, the audience has to buy into that all these actors in this Yellowstone Ranch world know this world. Like we have to believe that the horses are second nature to them, that everything they do is second nature to them. You as the as an actor playing Jimmy, you have a little bit of a unique challenge for you in that you have to be the one guy that doesn't feel comfortable in that world, but we have to see you grow into being comfortable in that world. What's that challenge like for you as an actor, like having to be the juxtaposition against all the other performers who have to play like 
they know this world, and you have to show us the different degrees of becoming acclimated to that world. What's that been like for you? I mean, it's been, I've been very lucky in that regard, right? I've had four years to catch up to where all the other actors right. had to be day one. At day one, Luke Grimes, who plays Casey, had to be a badass. Day one, Cole Hauser, who plays Rip, had to be an incredible, you know, cowboy, incredible rider. A lot of these guys had to start going, had to be at 60 miles an hour when we started. Right. And I've been very lucky because Jimmy, you know, in season one, got to just be learning, just be in process. Jimmy in season two was just learning. He was bouncing around in the saddle trying to figure it out. So I've had four years to catch up to where those guys had to be on day one. Well, listen, Jimmy, as as a fan of Yellowstone, it is my favorite show on TV right now. I, I was sucked into it immediately. And one of the big reasons that is because of Jimmy was that character to bring us into that world and introduce us to the world. You do a tremendous job on the show. And congratulations on the podcast. Again, the official Yellowstone podcast. Where can people find it if they want to go out and listen to it today? Well, first of all, thank you so much for, for saying that. That really means the world. And just just as, as I learn, as I sort of keep learning all things, I'm also learning how to interview people. And so I also just appreciate this time very much as a, as a sort of masterclass. So thank you very much for taking this time and sort of teaching me, serving as one of my many teachers as I, as I enter into this world too. Uh, so the official Yellowstone podcast, you can find that on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, pretty much anywhere you get your podcast. Just Google it, Google it, search it on your phone, search it anywhere, and you'll, you'll wind up in the right place. All right, and we want to thank uh, Jefferson White. It was a thrill for me. You guys know I don't even like doing interviews much anymore at all, but when I got a chance to talk to somebody from Yellowstone, I had to take advantage of that. I just love that show so much. Big thank you to uh, Jeffrey, Wright, uh, Jeffrey White for that. And make sure you guys go check out, if you are if you watch Yellowstone, and what the hell are you doing if you're not watching Yellowstone, do go and check out their uh, official podcast that Jefferson hosts. All right, guys. With that down, let's now move into our main topics here today, shall we? And how do we select our main topics here in the John Campy Show? Well, it's really rather simple. You see, you guys come up with our main topics. Whenever you come across a big topic, issue, or story that you guys feel we need to cover as a main topic here on the show, just go anytime, 24-7, over to www.thejohncampiashow.com slash contact. Once you guys get there, you're going to see a form. Fill it out with your topic or question. It's absolutely free. Hit submit, and then maybe, just maybe, you might see your submission featured as a main topic here on The John Campia Show. With that down, Kim. What is our first main topic today? All right, guys, this is coming from Omar F. Hi, John. You were just talking about how much you love Matthew Vaughn on a recent episode. Wondering if you saw he just announced that he was going he is going to be doing a big reboot of Kick-Ass in a couple of years when the rights go back to him. With superhero movies being in a much different place now than when Kick-Ass came out, do you think a Kick-Ass reboot would work today? You know, there are, and first of all, thanks for writing that in, Omar. There are a couple of movies the last you know, bunch of years that have really come out of nowhere to really kind of surprise us in a really, really fun way. One of which that we talk about uh, a lot is the Kingsman, the first Kingsman movie. Like that one just kind of, it looked like a little throwaway movie, kind of snuck up on us and, and was absolutely fantastic. Another one was Kick-Ass. Kick-Ass, which looked a little bit silly, going to be R-rated, kind of a, a little bit of um, 
a satire in a way, but also, but done in a serious way, like not as a satire. Mm -hmm. Oh my goodness. Nicholas Cage is big daddy. <laughs> Everybody needs some big daddy in their lives. <laughs> now, of course, then came Kick-Ass 2. And while I enjoyed it, I, I, I like Kick-Ass 2. It, it had what I would consider to be kind of a significant decline. Like, it wasn't nearly as good as Kick-Ass 1. And maybe it was just because of the absence of Big Daddy. I don't know. But it, it didn't quite work nearly as well. But still, as I look back on Kick-Ass, I smile. I really like the series. And I had always kind of hoped secretly that they would do a third one. They don't need a third one, but no movie in the history of theaters has ever been needed. So no, do they need a third kick-ass movie? No, but I've always kind of secretly wanted one. Well, now it sounds like there might be a reboot of Sense coming. And this comes to us from the folks, uh, or this is Matthew Vaughn. When he was asked about a possibility of another kick-ass, Matthew Vaughn said the following. We've got a big reboot of kick-ass in two years. Big reboot. Big reboot. Uh, it's so effing nuts that I can't talk about it. But we've got that ready to go. All the rights revert back in two years, and then we're going to reboot it where people will be like, he is insane. That's Matthew Vaughn talking about potential that. Now, he also went on to talk a little bit about um, that he's not going to say whether some of the original cast will return. He is saying they're going to need a new lead actor. And that this new lead actor is going to have to be fearless and whatever. So, I mean, whatever he means by that, we'll have to wait and see. How do I feel about the idea of another kick-ass movie? I'll be honest with you. I'm not sure. I'm a little torn. And here's why I'm a little bit torn. I'm a little bit torn because while I was just talking the other day about how much I love Matthew Vaughn. The reality is, while I love Kingsman... I thought Kingsman, the Golden Circle, Kingsman 2, was actually pretty poor. I thought it was pretty bad and a big letdown. I don't think it was the worst movie I've ever seen, not by any stretch. I just thought it was a letdown. I don't like the film. I thought it was, I thought it was a bad movie. I love Kick-Ass, and I like Kick-Ass 2, but even Kick-Ass 2, to me, was a decline in quality. And I don't know what's happened to Matthew Vaughn that now he seems to only be fixated on the franchises he's already got. Because like it feels like now, like I haven't heard Matthew Vaughn's name associated with anything other than, I mean, there has been a few reports in there, but basically it's Kingsman, another Kingsman, and another Kingsman, and now Kick-Ass, we're going to reboot Kick-Ass, and so I don't know. So there's half of me that is like, I've been waiting for another Kick-Ass movie for a long time. So that that's one half of me. The other half of me is... Uh, did I say did I say Kingsman? I meant Kick-Ass, but I've been waiting for another Kick-Ass for a long time. But then the other half of me is like, Kingsman 2 didn't work out so well. Kick-Ass 2 was a decline. Maybe we need Matthew Vaughn to get onto something fresh again and just get back to being the brilliant Matthew Vaughn. I mean, I don't know. So I'm not saying I'm against it. I'm just saying I'm feeling a little torn about it. I love Kick-Ass, but I'd like to see Matthew Vaughn kind of move on. For, I don't know, Kim, you heard about them maybe doing a kick-ass. Well, he sounds pretty certain that he's going to do another kick-ass. Do you think it's the right time to do the kick-ass? Do you think they needed to do another kick-ass? What are you thinking? I didn't think they needed to do another one, but I will say I 
love the kick-ass movies. This, the second one was different. I mean, he didn't direct the second one. Um, Jeff Wadlow did. Wadlow. I believe so, yeah. Um, and so it had a different tone to it. However, yeah, but he's still, it was I still his still movie. He still it. oversaw that movie and it was still his yeah, movie. Yeah, I still loved it. And I mean, Jim Carrey as, what was it, Colonel uh, Oh, he was, yeah, Colonel, yeah, American, he was Colonel USA or something like that. Um, I'm excited for who he could bring in. I would, for some reason, I would love to see Steve Carell in the Kick-Ass series. I would just love to see him show up and just whoop someone's ass. Um, <laughs> and maybe even um, Rain Wilson, too. That would be pretty funny. Um, I'm excited for it. I don't necessarily think it needs a reboot. i just like to see a Kick-Ass 3 because I love the original cast. However, there was something about having Chloe Grace Moritz, just this little, adorable, blonde-eyed girl, whooping some tail i yeah. think they need another little girl um uh what's the girl from logan i think she's a little too old because she was savage yeah and logan but i'd like to see another little girl just whew, cutting I'm, off heads or something but i'm excited for it i just don't like i don't i don't know how i feel about the idea of a reboot i just rather see kick-ass three let's continue the story and add some more people but it sounds he sounds very excited about it. So it sounds like he's got something fresh up his sleeve. I, I hope so. so. I hope so. Because, I mean, first of all, Chloe Grace Moretz, by the way, was just, I can't remember if it was Kimmel or if it was Fallon, but she was on one of the late night talk shows recently. And they asked her about maybe would she ever be interested in going back to Hit Girl again? She said yes. And it is interesting that it was sounding kind of, Matthew Vaughn was sounding kind of coy about the idea of, you know, oh yeah, we might. I'm not gonna tell you whether we're gonna bring the original cast back. So maybe it's kind of a requel, like it. Maybe it's kind of sort of a sequel, right. but they're kind of resetting. I mean, who knows what he's got in mind at this point? Like again, I, to me, it's just Matthew Vaughn is such a fresh, uh, forward-thinking director. I don't, I don't like seeing him get bogged down in nothing but. I'd his like franchises. to see a thriller from him. Well, I mean, he's got a another mystery. He's like got a another sci-fi. He's got another spy thriller coming. I can't oh, remember Argyle. the name of it. Argyle. That's Argyle. Argyle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Last name yeah. He's got another. I know he's got that, but I just, I'd like to get him to get away from Kingsman and and. But I don't know. Maybe this will be as awesome as the first one. Question is for you guys. What do you think about the notion of Matthew Vaughn saying he wants to do another Kickass and he's already got a plan for it and all that kind of stuff? Are you excited about it? Are you apprehensive about it? Where are you right now? Jump on down to the comment section below and let us know your thoughts. All right, guys. With that down, let's move on to main topic number two. Kim, what is our second main topic today? All right. Albert DeConti says, hey, John, I know you've said that you don't think Killmonger could ever come back and be the new Black Panther. And you might be right. A new report is saying he is going to be back in Black Panther 2, but he's still dead in the ancestral plane. I guess that would make sense since he was kind of. He was king of Wakanda, albeit shortly. Do you think Michael B. Jordan could come back to play Black Panther? All right. Thanks a lot for sending that in, Albert. And look, I love Black Panther. I love that movie. It's so great. And I'm on record. I've been on record from day one. I really feel they should have recast T'Challa. I think that's how you honor Chadwick Boseman. I think you carry on the legacy of Chadwick Boseman by passing the baton on to the next and you move forward and you move on. But they didn't do that and that's fine. Still, I'm looking forward to Wakanda forever. But one of the big questions that's come up because one of the reasons the first Black Panther movie worked so well was Michael B. Jordan's Killmonger. Now, in an MCU that has dominated, one of the little chinks in their armor 
has been they don't always have the best villains. That that has kind of been the track record. Like every once in a while they have a great one, like a Loki or something, right? But they'd also have Malekiths from Thor the Dark World or, you know, Ironmonger from, from the first one. And, you know, not always the strongest villains. And, of course, they've been turning that around a bit with Thanos. But then along comes Michael B. Jordan's Killmonger, which was such a great uh, antagonist, such a great villain, partially because there was an emotional way where you saw how he turned and how he went from being a good kid to being a bitter, vengeful kind of dude, right? But there has been this debate and argument over the years since Black Panther came out that a lot of people think, well, Killmonger should come back and be the new Black Panther. And I'm like, I've always been, what are you talking about? He is literally one of the most evil people there's ever been in the MCU, which is part of what makes him such a great character. But he's literally, he literally talks about not only do I want to go out and kill everybody, I want to kill all their children. I'm going to, and like, even in what if he was an asshole? Like, in what if you think, well, this is where they make him a... No, even in that, he's an asshole. He is a genocidal, vengeful, angry, villainous, <laughs> terrible, terrible person, which makes his, which is part of what makes him so awesome to watch in the movies. That being said, there is a report out right now. Now, granted, this is a report you got to take with a grain of salt. This is not coming from The Hollywood Reporter. This is not coming from Variety. This is not coming from any of those. But there is our reports going around that that are being that do have some some weight to it because I've heard other whispers regarding this at the same time, and that's that we could see Michael B. Jordan in Wakanda Forever, but on the ancestral plane, like not back in the movie, like the character wouldn't be back. This comes to us from the folks uh, over at the AV Club, who write. Oh, that's the wrong one. This is from the folks over at Screen Geek who write the following: As far as who else is returning. We're hearing that an unexpected character will be back. We've been told that Michael B. Jordan will return as Killmonger in Black Panther Wakanda Forever and that he will be a mentor to a young hero. Uh, the return will take place in the ancestral plane. Now, that would mean that, yes, the character is still dead uh, and all that kind of stuff. Now, I can't remember who wrote in the question, but they're asking, you know, I guess it makes sense he's in the ancestral plane because he was king for a while. But remember, you don't have to be king to be on the ancestral plane because in Black Panther, a young Killmonger or a Killmonger, once he took the herb, he was able to visit his father in the ancestral plane who was never king, right? So it makes sense whether he was ever because obviously Killmonger was never actually the king of Wakanda because T'Challa neither died nor did he yield. So technically speaking, he was never king, but that doesn't matter because the movie shows that you can still be part of the ancestral plane. So this would make sense. I Look, I'm not saying this report is true. Let's be very clear about that. I'm not saying this is true. I'm just saying I think you have to give some attention to it because it makes narrative sense and it makes marketing sense. Disney knows that Michael B. Jordan's Killmonger was a very, very popular character in this world. Audiences really liked him a lot. And this makes a narrative doorway that you can use him without contradicting a lot of the stuff that you've already laid out. And so to me, that since that makes sense, I look at a report like this and I go, okay, that could be. That could be. Again, I'm not saying it's true, but it does make sense. It could be. It fits. Kim, let me ask you this. 
Do you think they would actually bring back Killmonger at this point? And if so, what kind of, do, you, do you believe this idea about keeping the ancestral plane? Do you think Marvel once again becomes the Marvel fake death cinematic universe and just brings him back from the dead? Do you think, I don't know, what do you think about this? I have an issue with this. Number one, I don't know what excuse they're going to give for T'Challa not being there. I don't know if Wakanda Forever will take place during those five years when uh, he was dusted um, or he was blipped. Because if you put Killmonger in the ancestral plane, depending on what excuse you're giving for T'Challa's absence, you would have to put T'Challa in the ancestral That's plane. That's a good point. I hadn't thought about that. That's a very good point. Why is he not here? Is he on vacation? You know, and, and <laughs> he's on and, the ancestral Hawaii. He's exactly. Ancestral. But also in their mystical ancestral plane during the blip, wouldn't T'Challa still be there because it is a place for spirits, not necessarily for your existence because you, you can't blip someone that's already dead, I don't think. So mm. for me, it would make sense for T'Challa to appear in the ancestral plane. So to bring Killmonger back there, it would feel very backwards. Also, if Michael B. Jordan comes back, the only place I would want to see Killmonger is in a scene like that very briefly. And I don't say that because I don't think he did a great job. I say that because he smashed it. He smashed that role. He did a great job. And I feel strongly about when a character has a very well-written exit, let it be that exit and let that legendary performance just stay there. I'm not a fan of resurrecting perfect endings. When you go, that was the perfect ending for that person. And then you bring them back in something else and it's just, it doesn't have the gravitas. It's just not that great as the first time. I'm worried about whatever exit or whatever situation that he's in this time, not capitalizing on how great his performance was in the original, but kind of watering it down. So quite frankly, I'm not a fan of bringing Killmonger back at all for, I, for several reasons. I guess I just have to wait and see what their narrative is. Yeah. I mean, and it's hard because I, and look, they have brought back characters that have great end, like Gamora, her ending in infinity war is great. And then boom, she's back. Yeah. That, and, but know, that made sense. And, and she yeah, so didn't give, make it make sense for Killmonger. A, I mean, don't get me wrong, Zoe Saldana is amazing, but she didn't give this groundbreaking, amazing performance when she died. Whereas I feel Michael B. Jordan, I was like, man, the way you played a villain that we could feel for you, but we're also like, you're also a murderer. <laughs> like, <laughs> um, the way you played that man, that character, that fire that you brought, that was an excellent performance. And cut. We're right. done. And we'll just have to wait and see what the story is for him. If, if it makes as much sense as some of the others who have come back. Because what are you going to say about T'Challa? What, I know. What, I, what's that, the narrative there? You can't have one with that. We can't even talk about Killmonger coming back without knowing the situation with T'Challa. That's how I feel. Well, um, they're clearly going to explain the situation. I think they're going to explain he died. Oh, yeah. No, but they're going to explain But that is a great it, point. But... Then where is he in the ancestral plane? Yeah. So I, maybe he'll still, maybe they'll just keep him in the panther form. Because remember, the kings were in panther forms. That's true. They'll just say, oh, that's that one point. on that branch, that kitty on that branch, that's T'Challa. That's a good point. And he's going to wave his paw. Hello. And then that's it. That's all. <laughs> I, I don't know. <laughs> Guys, question is for you. What do you think about this report? Do you believe that they're going to bring back Killmonger to be in the ancestral plane? Do you think they're not going to bring him back at all? Do you think they're going to fully bring him back to life? I don't know. What are you guys thinking about this right now? Jump down to the comment section below and leave your thoughts there. All right, guys. With that down, let's move on to main topic number three. Kim, what is our third main topic today? Okay, this comes from Brian Knight. What do you think about the new trailer for The Lost City? 
Sandra Bullock, Channing Tatum, Brad Pitt, and Daniel Radcliffe appears to be a remake or a sequel to Romancing the Stone with Kathleen Turner, Michael Douglas, and Danny DeVito. All right. Thanks a lot for saying that in, Brian. And I'm going to tell you what. They showed us a little preview, although it was a very, very little, like it was a pre-stage thing. They didn't actually show us any footage from the movie. They just so, sort of did this little sketch with um, Channing Tatum and Sandra Bullock together, and they did it at CinemaCon, right? And I thought, well, this sounds stupid. <laughs> And then the trailer came out yesterday. I think it was yesterday it came out. And I watched, started watching the trailer, and I'm 20 seconds in the trailer, and I nearly stopped it. I thought, this looks dumb as hell. This looks dumb as hell. And I almost stopped it, but I thought, I'll keep watching. And I'll be damned if I wasn't totally charmed by it by the end of the trailer. And, and you're absolutely right. Like, I don't believe this is a Romancing the Stone remake, but it's... It's totally got the Romancing the Stone feel. Kathleen Turner, Michael Douglas. Like, it's totally got that feel to it. And and I don't know. Maybe we'll find out it is meant to be its own kind of a remake of it. I mean, I don't know. Yeah. Whatever. But as this trailer progressed and kept going, the jokes started to land better with me. The characters I started to like more. Like, the Channing Tatum character, I don't know if, for how many of you guys saw Free Guy. You saw Free Guy. Yeah. But Channing Tatum's character in Free Guy is amazing. <laughs> and I just started feeling like this Fabio character versus just another one of those. But as it carried on, I'm like, okay, I like this guy. And then by the time that freaking Brad Pitt showed up, <laughs> by the time Brad Pitt showed up, I'm like, okay, you got me. I'm in. I'm totally in. I have not been in for months since you first showed me little bits of this. I've not been on board with this. The beginning of the trailer looks dumb, but by the end of it, I was completely on board with it. I bought into the chemistry between the two of them. Channing Tatum, who I used to think was the worst actor in Hollywood getting work. I'm now actually a big fan of his these days. Uh, I, I thought he looked great in this. Sandra Bullock is Sandra Bullock. Come on. And yeah, I'm in. Kim, you had a chance to see the trailer for Lost City. What do you think? One, I was so excited because the other day, if you guys remember, we were talking about Uncharted and I was trying to, it was very early in the morning, I didn't sleep very much, and I was trying to explain the adventure movies that I love and I couldn't put my finger on the movie I was trying to talk about and I was trying to say Romancing the Stone. Right. And I didn't say it, but then the next day I see this trailer and I was like, ah, you guys, first of all, in terms of the plot, Kathleen Turner's character in Romancing the Stone was a romance novelist. Yes, she was. So I feel like this kind of is a retelling of that. Um, so hilarious. I watched the trailer and the first thing I thought was, one, I love comic book movies. I love action films. I love drama. But I feel like this is a good intro in the return of the big budget romantic comedy. Remember those days oh, yeah. of How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days and Brown Sugar and all of these romantic comedies, Reese Witherspoon, Kate Hudson, and the queen of romantic comedies, Sandra Bullock. And again, I'm like, you are the queen. I felt like she had the chemistry that she kind of had with um, uh, Ryan Reynolds in the proposal. Oh, I love like, the proposal. I was like, oh my gosh, her and Channing Tatum, they have great chemistry. I can't wait for this. But Brad Pitt jumping in there with the hair and oh, yeah. my father was a weatherman. Oh, well, that makes sense. <laughs> Channing Tatum, I'm prepared. I have snacks. 
Come on. I can't wait to see this movie. I'm so excited. Yeah, I'm pretty stoked for it too. Question is for you guys. Did you have a chance to see the trailer for The Lost City? Like I admit, it does not look at all like a movie that's for me, but the trailer won me over. Maybe it did for you. Maybe it didn't. Whatever you guys are thinking, jump down to the comment section below and let us know your thoughts. All right, guys. With that down, let's move on to main topic number four. Kim. What is our fourth main topic today? Okay, Anthony Buchanan says, I live in Florida and would have loved to have come and seen this movie, but I can't get off work this time of year. We all know you had the private screening of No Way Home last night. What are your thoughts without spoiling any of the big surprises? All right, thanks a lot for writing that in, Anthony. And uh, yeah, yesterday was the day. Uh <gasps> We got, we had uh, a private screening arranged for us, so we got to go and bring a bunch of the viewers of the John Campus Show to come and watch. So thank you to everybody for that. Had a wonderful time with everybody. And of course, don't forget, we are going to be doing our open spoiler discussion on, uh, let me see when we're doing this. So yes, our Sunday open spoiler discussion is going to be Sunday at one o'clock Pacific standard time. That's Sunday at one o'clock Pacific standard time. That'll be 4 PM on the East coast. So make sure you guys come and join us for that. And we, we hope we can have a good time. But as for right now, just the general feelings about it. Okay. So here's my overall impression. This is, as a lot of people were saying, I will agree the best MCU Spider-Man movie yet. I really, I adored Spider-Man homecoming. I adored that movie. I really enjoyed Spider-Man Far From Home. This is the best of them. I mean, this was a great, not only continuation, but almost in many ways, a culmination uh, in those stories. It had great, we heard a lot of the early reactions using the word emotional, but they were right. There's great emotional weight to the movie. The action is it's not the best action I've seen in an MCU film, but really good, fun Spider-Man action that you can look for. The humor, of course, we always know the humor is normally going to be on point with these MCU movies. The humor was definitely on point. The performances were great. The dynamics between both Peter and MJ and Peter and Ned. And really for the first time in any Spider-Man movie, the great chemistry between MJ and Ned. You know, that's that's usually like the, the, the forgotten kind of connection as well. That worked great. Alfred Molina has not missed a beat. This guy. Like Alfred Molina... It literally feels like to me like he just played Doc Ock yesterday. He walked back the same thing with Willem Dafoe, the same thing with Jamie Foxx. It just feels like these guys just played these roles yesterday and just walked back onto set and picked up where they left off yesterday. I, I, I swear it, it felt not nostalgic because the characters were there, but it felt like a nostalgia of I just saw this yesterday. That's what it felt like to me. Like, I just saw this guy playing this yesterday. It felt so true to the original versions of those characters that I, I was so impressed by it. I will say, and I'm not going to go into details. We'll talk about it on Sunday. The more I thought about it last night, there are two major logic holes in this movie. Like, there are two major plot problems with this movie. Granted, but if you look hard enough, you can find those in most movies. But I, but there are two that really stood out to me that I ended up sitting up thinking about a lot last night. But we'll talk about those in the main thing. Look, the bottom line is this. This movie's great. It is going to be a fan pleaser. Um, John Watts, in my opinion, is three for three. 
you know, he's done, they lined up three Spider-Man movies in front of him. He knocked them all down. Uh, I'm so now looking forward to seeing what he does with Fantastic Four. Like watching this has just made me excited for whatever is going to happen with Spider-Man next, whether it's in Sony or in Marvel, whatever. But I'm really excited about what's going to happen in Fantastic Four now. Now that we've seen Homecoming wasn't just a one-hit wonder. He wasn't just getting lucky with two with Spider-Man Far From Home. He's had three movies now, and he's knocked them all out of the park. So I cannot wait to see what he does. Is this the best Spider-Man movie? No. No, it, no. It's, to me, that it's not the best Spider-Man movie. I would say this is the third out of the nine Spider-Man movies we've had. I'd say this is the third best. I'd still put it behind both Spider-Man 2 and Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse, but easily the best of the MCU. Easily the best one they've done in the MCU. This is a crowd pleaser. It's got solid narrative, wonderful performances, great chemistry between the performers, and more emotion than we've ever seen in any Spider-Man movie before. And because of that, this movie is a winner, and I had a great time with it. Uh, Kim, you saw it with us yesterday. What were your general impressions of the film? Bro, bro, bro. Well, after I got off the phone with my therapist, um, <laughs> it was epic and emotional. It delivers on the hype. I'm trying to be careful with my words because I don't want to spoil anything because I want you guys to experience this all for the first time. Um, there were clever tie-ins to the big surprises. Um, the humor is very appropriately placed because it's such an emotional movie. It's definitely not one of those situations where you it's something emotional and then someone makes a comment and you're like, well, that was a weird time to say that. The timing and the pacing of this movie I felt was really good. It did not feel like two hours and 30-something minutes at all. I, 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 I was like, this is just flying by. Um, I'm not, this isn't a spoiler at all because he's in the trailer, but Willem Dafoe, dude, don't call it a comeback. Oh yeah. <laughs> this don't call it a comeback. This guy has always been amazing and he killed it. He killed it as Green Goblin. Um Homecoming still is my favorite in the Home trilogy and I feel like I can't really compare it to all the other Spider-Man because as my nephew says, this one's built different. It's kind of apples to oranges. Um, because it just feels so different than all the other Spider-Man movies. I feel like it's in a category of its own, so I can't even rank it. I'm like, oh, which Spider-Man movie? It's just separately, it's a fantastic film, and I hope you guys have so much fun. And I also want to say thank you to the fans. You guys, everyone that we met, you guys are just so wonderful, and I'm this community is, is awesome, but it's a great movie. Please don't spoil it if you've already seen it, but yeah, that's my take. Um, and, and by the way, I just want to say this too, like for all the fan theories that were out there and all that kind of stuff, you may think because you heard of all the theories and all the stuff and all the talk about what may or may not be in the film. You know what? It didn't matter. It didn't. At the end of the day, it didn't matter. It did. Like everybody had such, the movie is just good. Remember I've been saying whether this expectation happens or doesn't happen or whatever, at the end of the day, it won't matter. If it's a good movie, it's a good movie. It's not, it's not. This is a real good movie. And you know, there's one person in here, Spider-Man is their favorite character. And I was really curious to see what Ray was going to think about this. And I, I, I'll i just tell you right now, I was sitting two chairs over from Ray. There was me, then Anne was beside me, and Ray was beside <laughs> Anne. And listening to Anne and Ray going off so much, particularly, I'm not going to say which oh, scene, yeah. <laughs> but there is one scene in the movie where 
Anne and Ray were laughing their damn heads off so when hard. nobody else knew what was going on. <laughs> and and once oh, you see man. the movie, you'll know what I'm talking about. But there was a scene where Anne and Ray are just like laughing their heads off, and nobody else understood what was going on. You'll see what I mean when that happens. Anyway, Ray, I haven't actually just straight up asked you. Even when we were in the car last night coming home, I didn't uh, actually start asking you. What, as the big guy looking forward to this, how did you feel about Spider-Man No Way Home? Now, you know, I'm not that, uh, you know, well-spoken for, so... But I'm going to tell you the truth that this is probably my favorite Spider-Man movie of all time. And really? not, not just coming off of it, whatever. It it gave me every reason of why this has been my char favorite character since I was a kid. And right. will probably be my favorite character until the day I, that I die. There's so much that I can relate to. You know, Spider-Man has this, you know, the suit, the webs, the flipping around, those super abilities. But, you know, I feel like I can relate to that because I've been given the super ability of, you know, having a life and having a brain and having hands and legs. Those are my weapons. And you see him use these these abilities to, you know, to try to make the right choices, which I do, yeah. too. You know what I mean? And a lot of it has to do with family. And even if he has to make tough decisions that doesn't benefit at him at all, I can relate to that. You know, yeah. trying to juggle certain things and he makes mistakes he wants to do good but he doesn't like to get attention for it you know what i mean so like uh yeah this has probably the best spider-man movie that ever i've ever seen you know what's funny stan lee when Stanley was asked about Spider-Man, he would often say he he created Spider-Man because he wanted a character that his readers could identify with more. Like that he's kind of, this is a character who's kind of one of them, right? And when you're watching Spider-Man No Way Home, Ray, you brought up a really good point about how this is a Peter who makes mistakes. They never lose, like even when you go back to Spider-Man Far From Home, right? Peter does some really dumb things. He's not bulletproof either. Yeah, the movie reminds us he's a kid. He's a kid, man. He's a high school kid. Because you go back to Far From Home, like what he was doing with the with the Stark glasses, like using it for, per like trying to dig into people's social media and, <laughs> like, and all that kind of, like he was making the mistakes a kid would make. And that actually made him more, like Stanley always said, I wanted Peter to be relatable with people. So... He's making brave, courageous decisions. He also makes some pretty <laughs> dumb mistakes at the same time because there are mistakes a high school kid would make. And at the end of the day, it doesn't matter what powers he has. It doesn't matter how morally centered he is. He's going. He's still a high school kid. And he's going to make mistakes. And I, I thought that was a real strength of the movie as well. I, again, just a big win. Now, I'm going to say this because I've had a lot of people write to me about this, and this is kind of a side note. I had talked before. I had, you guys know, a bunch of you, some of you might not know, I had been sent a bunch of images, right? Mm -hmm. That I initially didn't think was legitimate. And I shared a couple, and then I got notified that somebody got a hold of me within five minutes saying, these things might be real. So I didn't post the other ones. I had other ones that I didn't post. And, I want to see those now. <laughs> and I'll show it to you. Okay, cool. I'll, I'll show it to you because I've showed it to Rob. I've showed it to Rob. So there, and I told you guys, guys, there's another picture that I didn't share. That, and all I said was there's somebody in a mocap suit. Oh, yeah. And you're never oh. going to guess it. I said there's somebody in a mocap suit and you're never going to guess it. That's right. So I was watching in the movie and I'm like, 
it never came. Okay. And Rob and I, after the movie were done, we're like, because I've shown it to Rob. And we're like, you know what this means? Oh, no. Whoever sent me that is not just on the set, was not just on the set of this movie. They're on the set of other MCU projects. Because we looked at, because Rob and I looked at each other after the movie, and we were like, that means that picture was from something else that hasn't come out yet. Oh, shoot. And we were like, oh, my God. That that picture wasn't from Spider-Man. It was from blank. And so Rob and I are standing outside of the theater yesterday, kind of geeking out a little bit. We're like, that means that picture is this. So no. Oh my gosh. No. I so Matthew McConaughey too, will be in something else very soon. That's good to know. Somebody in a motion cap suit I, I, is in another movie. I want to make it clear that I haven't seen this picture, nor, not have, seen it nor have I asked for it. So, But we will see it. Don't ask me in the chat, please. <laughs> yeah, don't ask Ray, because Ray, Ray doesn't know the answer to this. I haven't. I, the only person I've shown to is Rob. Because Rob and I had gotten together one time, and I, I showed him the picture, and that's it. He's the only other person who's seen it. But, yeah. I mean, I just got totally freaking excited because it's like, oh my God, that wasn't even the movie. That means it was from blank. And so I was yeah. brushing my teeth this morning and I was like, so much to talk about with Spider-Man. Oh, don't forget to ask John, who was it in the mocap suit that he said we would never guess? Oh yeah. No, 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 no. That's no. so interesting that it, that, And you okay. know what's funny? When I found out, when I got told that, that maybe the first picture or two that i put up might be real i was literally about 30 seconds away from posting the other one too like i was literally about 30 seconds away from posting the other one. Oh my gosh and then when i Dude. found out when like somebody got a hold of me and said those things might actually be real i thought well then i better not post this other one <laughs> so oh i didn't gosh. post the other one but now it's like oh my god so yeah that's that's the thing on that but yeah overall a, a great experience the movie was fun and wonderful and just had it was everything a spider-man movie should be it was and there are moments there are scenes that are just some of my favorite scenes in this movie are just conversation scenes where there's a couple of characters standing around having like a one and a half minute conversation and i'm just like delighting in it like it's just wonderfully set up wonderfully done and it's going to be really, really interesting to see where things go. Uh, several theories were correct. Several theories were not. Um, and that's the best. When you go into a movie, you find out a bunch of your theories are right and a bunch of your theories are wrong. You guys, I'll let Keep you know right now, Matthew McConaughey is front and center. You're going to be so excited it was to see crazy Matthew, when McConaughey. Matthew McConaughey. Oh, yeah, Wasn't man. that crazy, John? Came through a portal man. and yes. Uncle Ben says, I'm right? back. All right, all right, all right. Driving and, that and Lincoln. he did. He said, driving all right. Lincoln. Driving like, the Lincoln. He was driving the Lincoln. He was taking his time, you know, gave us a nice haiku in the Lincoln. So he says, all right, where's a, my May? That's a spoiler where's I'll give you guys. Where's my May? Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that's a big one. You know, John, I, I'm saying, like, this is like Endgame, like, I feel like I need to take a break from Marvel after this movie, just like Endgame. <laughs> For some reason, I remember you saying that after Endgame. I love like, I gotta take the a break movie, from Marvel. But there's so much emotion that, it, like, I have to, like, I don't know. Maybe I'm taking it too seriously, but I have to, like, think about, like, I have to let this soak in a little bit. Because um, to others, like, what it means after is small, but to me, it's, like, big. It's a big deal. And that's all I'll say about that. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It's I, just. Just, just great. one last thing. Uh, my mom's not really too much into uh, like the comic book movies and stuff. And someone was saying the other day, this is the kind of movie that you're going to want other people to see. Yes. And I told my mom last night, I was like, 
I know you don't usually like these. You have to see this movie. People who aren't necessarily Spider-Man fans or Marvel fans, they're going to like this just as a film. That's why the, the critics were raving about it is because just as a film, it's really, really good. Even if you're not caught up in, you know, the lore and what's canon and what's not and who's this character and how are they connected, you're really just going to like it as a movie and you're going to want the people that you love to see it. Yeah. And, and, and that this is one of those films where you're going to come out and not just want to see it again. You're going to be thinking about people that you want to bring to see this movie. That's always a good time at the movies. Anyway, guys, question is for you. Have you, like, $50 million worth of other people across North America have? Have you had a chance to see Spider-Man No Way Home already? If so, what did you think about it? Jump down into the comments section below and let us know your thoughts. All right, guys. With all that down and out of the way, let's now spend the rest of our time taking your questions, shall we? We're a little bit behind, so let's start getting caught up on your questions, shall we? Kim. What is being asked in the questions? All righty. Mitchell Chandler says, Geo, wanted to exude my thanks to you and your show. Because of you, I created a film podcast. Nice. I joined an online film group where we meet once a week. And I almost and I most recently referred to your Paramount Decrees Campia Classroom video for discussion. Much love. Oh, that was a that was a good one. I remember doing that one. That was a really fun one, the Paramount uh uh, decrees uh, and a very pivotal one too as things move forward so thank you so much for that that is awesome that you're doing that Mitchell and thanks for sharing your experience with us dude all right what's next Ryan Lawner says after your comments about Spielberg being so great at every kind of movie I'd say another director who deserves that title is Howard Hawks screwball comedy bringing up baby his girl Friday film noir Scarface the big sleep War, The Dawn Patrol, Sergeant York, Western, Red Ri River, Rio Bravo. Adventure, Only Angels Have Wings, To Have and To Have Not. Sci-Fi Horror, The Thing, and yes, even Musical. Gentlemen Prefer Blondes. I, I would agree cool. in the sense that, right on. again, he Hawks ends up being a guy who shows he can do everything. The difference is Steven Spielberg has shown he can do everything amongst the best ever done. When you talk about the greatest sci-fi films of all time, the conversation, at some point in the conversation, the close encounters of the third kind is going to come up. At some point, some of those beloved sci-fi films in, in the history of sci-fi films, E.T. is going to come up. If you talk about some of the greatest war films of ever, ever, Saving Private Ryan is going to come up in the conversation. If you talk about some of the most tragic period real-life event movies, Schindler's List is going to come up in the conversation. When you talk about some of the greatest biopics ever made, Lincoln is going to come up in the conversation. When you want to talk about the, one of the most classic, like, monster kind of movies of all time, Jaws, which is not really a monster movie, it's a shark, but Jaws is going to come up in the conversation. You want to talk about the greatest adventure films of all time, Indiana Jones is going to come up in the conversation. Like any, and now, today, when the conversation movie forward comes up about what is the greatest musical of all time, one of the films in that conversation is going to be Steven Spielberg's West Side Story. It's, and none of those. We didn't even mention my all-time favorite Steven Spielberg film, which is Amistad. I mean, it's just, and that's what sets him apart. That's what makes it unfair. Like, he is, like, Michael Jordan in his era, it was ridiculous. <laughs> Wayne Gretzky in his era was, it was ridiculous. Steven Spielberg is not just the goat. 
He's the Tom Brady of goats. Like you look at Tom Brady's numbers compared to like number of Super Bowl appearances, number of division titles, number of Super Bowl rings, number of like his numbers. He is lapping the competition in the goat race. Like he's not just ahead. Steven Spielberg is now starting to lap people in the goat race. I mean, that's and that's the craziest thing about it, Ryan. Anyway, thanks for bringing that one up to you. That was a great example. All right. What's next? Dangerous D says, hi, John. Keanu Reeves was in The Late Show with Stephen Colbert. And Stephen said his last three movies, Bill and Ted, John Wick and The Matrix are characters he's played before. Is there any other part he played that he wants to do again? And Keanu said, Constantine. I hope WB heard this. Unpopular opinion. I don't like Keanu Reeves' Constantine. I love Keanu Reeves. I like the character of Constantine. I was not big on that iteration of Constantine. And I know that's, that is the unpopular opinion. I know a lot of people today are talking a lot about it. There have been some whispers about them maybe trying to do another Constantine with Keanu Reeves. And if they did it, I would totally give it another, I'd give it a shot, but I'm not going to lie to you. I, I'm one of those people that I didn't think his Constantine was all that great. I'd rather see him move on to something else. All right, what's next? Brandon Entwistle says, imagine the surprise, what if scenario, if in either No Way Home or Doctor Strange 2, they need help from an alternate universe's Tony Stark, and the variant they find is being played by Tom Cruise. That would be a big, wacky surprise. Hope you're having a good day. Again, it wouldn't make sense to anybody. Like Some people have joked about, we've had people write in and joke about, what if Tom Cruise is Tony Stark? Because not a lot of people know, but originally, that's who they had in mind to play, and, and Tom Cruise had kind of agreed that Tom Cruise was going to play Tony Stark in Iron Man. And obviously that didn't pan out. The problem is I don't think even 2% of the movie audience even knows that story. So if Tom Cruise were to suddenly pop up on screen as Tony Stark, nobody would know what was going on. Like nobody would have the slightest idea what was going. And by the way, too, am I the only one that is recognizing there's a big inconsistency in the MCU? Multiverse isn't variance. Like the way I don't want to go into too many details, but in the way this movie and others have kind of talked about what multiverse is and the other realities, that's that's not consistent with the way variants have been described in Loki. So I'm not quite sure. Anyway, uh, maybe I should save that for the spoiler discussion. But I'm just saying, to me, it seems like a little bit of an inconsistency. That but is yes. something I'd like to hear you get into. Yeah, but which we can't right now. Yeah. But the the Tom Cruise thing, the problem is nobody would understand what, like, the people would just be sitting there going, why the hell is Tom Cruise there? Anyway, what's next? Gus's Movie Reviews dot fart says, <laughs> hey, Campia, I'm sick of all the slander. Just kidding, my Italian brother. It's Don DeSereccia. <laughs> Thanks for the content. Glad I watched Reaction Watch in playback. I was worried about live accidental spoilers, but damn, that show was great. Much love and bring on the filthy. Reaction Watch was so much fun. I mean, both both the um, both Ticket Watch and Reaction Watch. I really hope another movie comes along where we can do something like that again because I I had a blast doing that with Ray. So we'll see if they do it. All right, what's next? Blake says this Spidey hype at Christmas is reminding me of the time leading up to Force Awakens. Mm -hmm. I'll forever love that movie, not just for the movie, but for the memories of the time around and leading up to it. Listen, as much as I hated Rise of Skywalker, <laughs> I don't care what anybody says. I know it's the cool thing to bash on all the the uh, the new Star Wars movies. Force Awakens is awesome. I think The Force Awakens is an awesome, awesome movie. Mm -hmm. And I've told the story before, but I remember, you know, me and Schnepp, our office, our studio is right across the street from the AMC Burbank 16. And like whenever we had like an hour and a half to kill, like between when we just finished shooting something and Schnepp and I would have to shoot something else, we would just go. 
Force Awakens? Yep. And we just walk across the street and go watch matinees of The Force Awakens. We did that multiple times. We just walk across the street and go watch Force. And every time we watch The Force Awakens, it, we liked it more and more and more and more. I So I don't care what anybody else says. I think The Force Awakens is a bloody brilliant movie. It's my favorite Star Wars movie other than the original trilogy, followed closely by Rogue One, which I also completely love. So, uh, yeah, I hated Rise of Skywalker, but whatever. I love The Force Awakens. All right, what's next? Peter Parker says, Hi, John. Hope you're doing well. Question, if Toby and Andrew are in No Way Home, I personally hope they'll be more mentoring and less going through drama. I know this probably won't be the case, but I wish we will get a scene of the three of them just having fun. Well, obviously, I'm not going to give any commentary on that because now we have seen the movie. Um, and you might have seen the movie by now, too. This was obviously sent in before yesterday. So uh, can't comment on it, but go home. Maybe let's wonder about that. All right, what's next? Well, with that, he has a part two where he says, do you think this will be the case? (laughs) (laughs) In your opinion, I'm curious who's the best Peter, Toby, Andrew, or Tom? My money is Tom with Toby in second. What about you? Any Uh, thoughts? I'm sorry. Sorry, go ahead. I'm pumped for this movie. Let's go in it to enjoy. Thanks for the shows and bring on the filthy. Okay, I, I fall back to what I said before. Can't really say anything, but thank you for the comment, Peter Parker. All right, what's next? Oh, Danny boy says, I go to the movies on an average of 50 times a year and West Side Story is the best so far. That America scene is one of the best directed scenes I've seen in the last 10 years. Right next to the shoes scene in Jojo Rabbit. Oh my God. Different reasons, of course. Uh, I'm telling you that. I mean, you know, that's the big number. (laughs) America is the big number in West Side Story. So, you know, that's the one they're going to it. And I was already falling in love with this movie before they got to the America scene. I'm like, how how, can they can they can they nail this scene? Can they nail this number? It's the best scene I've seen in a movie all year. I mean, West Side Story is the best movie I've seen all year. But that is the best scene. And the direction is there's nothing short of a maestro needs to be in the director's chair to to make all that happen. And again, it's just Spielberg being Spielberg. And I agree with you, Danny boy. As of right now, it is still my number one best movie of the year. All right. What's next? Hold on, John. Can yeah, you make right. a request? Can you sing that song that you sing before you get into a fight again? What's the song? Oh, oh, what was it? Um, From West Side Story. I what think. is that song again? Something yeah. boy. Do you take it cool, boy? <laughs> <laughs> no, man, I'm good, man. No, man, that's cool. You win. No more fighting. I'll go get my Slurpee. Go ahead, go. Go ahead. All right. Oh, my God. What's next? All right. Scott Brown says, in a question during Thanksgiving, I stated that the Star Wars movie franchise was in trouble. I misspoke. I meant to say the future of the movie franchise is in trouble with so much doubt and uncertainty. They run the risk of damaging fans' interest and excitement because we just don't trust any news that comes out or trust that it'll be good or even happens that could really damage the brand. Whatever they do next, they need 100% sure of what they're doing and to make sure it works before announcing it. I I don't agree. I mean, uh, don't first of all, I agree with what it is they need to be doing. Like oh. On that, Scott, I completely agree. But here's the thing. They've been, it, people have been saying Star Wars is in trouble repeatedly, and yet everything comes out and it becomes the number one thing. Like after 
you know, people who didn't like The Force Awakens, like, ah, this thing's done. And then The Last Jedi came out and still made over a billion dollars. Then everybody said, oh, now Star Wars is really in trouble. No one cares about Star Wars anymore. And then The Rise of Skywalker came out and made over a billion dollars. Oh, nobody cares about Star Wars now anymore. No, Mandalorian becomes the number one show in the world. Oh, yeah, but no, I, I, I mean, here's the thing. And, and this is a great example of, let me see if I can find this. Um... Uh, rise of skywalker okay so we often confuse and i think all of us do this we often confuse what the five percent of us who do and watch shows like the john campia show mm -hmm. what we talk about and what we follow and what we understand and what we have issues that are important to us and then we sometimes confuse that, that that means everybody is thinking the same things. Here's an example. The difference between those 5% those of us who do shows like the John Campbell Show and watch shows like the John Campbell Show and everybody else. I hate The Rise of Skywalker. I thought that movie's terrible, right? And I can look at all these issues, this, that, and the other thing, so can everybody else. Here's the fact. 86% of the audience liked it. And these are verified ratings. 86% of the audience liked it. So we can talk in our circles. Like, I could be damn concerned about how Kathleen Kennedy cannot seem to get on the same page with her directors and keeps botching, matching the right filmmakers with the right project. And I can talk about all that all I want. I can talk about how frustrated that I am that yet another project is on the shelf at the moment with because Kathleen Kennedy and Patty Jenkins haven't been able to get on the same page and they're having creative differences about which ways to watch. I can talk about that all I want. And I can be concerned about the fact that, you know, we had an announcement for this and, and it got shelved. And I can be concerned about this. But the fact of the matter is the vast majority of the average movie going audience not only doesn't know about it, they don't care about it. And they just keep going back to watch Star Wars. Even after all the divisiveness of the rise of uh, The Last Jedi, I should say, Rise of Skywalker still made over a billion dollars. And still the vast, ma the vast majority of the audience liked it. Not in our circles, in our circles, in our little 5% circles, we talk about it and we all talk about how we didn't like the rise of Skywalker. But the reality is that our little 5% is not representative of the, of the wider going movie audience. They still like Star Wars and they still go. And when the next Star Wars movie comes out, they'll still go. It just, just is what it is. I mean, they never should have made the Han Solo movie. We said from the beginning, nobody's going to be interested in watching a Han Solo movie that doesn't have Harrison Ford when Harrison Ford was just in a Star Wars movie. But they did, and, it, and that one tanked. But uh, other than that, other than that one blip on the radar, they just continued to roll. So I agree with you in principle, Scott, about all your things you're concerned about. You and I are on the same page as that. Absolutely. I agree with everything you're saying they need to do. You and I 100% agree. But I disagree about what the result of that is. Because... People still love Star Wars and they're still going out to support it in massive numbers. So, but it can even now, even though then it can only help so long. Look how long the Transformers movies were still making money. Other than the first Transformers movie, the Transformers movies suck, in my personal opinion. But they kept making huge money. And it took like four films before the audience started to realize, you know what? These movies all suck. And then they put out the, the last Transformers movie prior to Bumblebee. And then that one is the one that took the big dip in the box office. But it took a lot of films for the audience to clue in that 
we keep going to these things and they keep being terrible. So at some point that'll happen for Star Wars 2 unless they turn that ship around. All right, that's my thought on it at any rate. All right, what's up? Norwegian says, No Way Home was supposed to open tomorrow over here, but due to the spread of the new Omicron variant, movie theaters and other venues can only have max 50 attendees. The distributor has decided to push it back to January 14th. Yeah, which sucks, but I get it. If you're a distributor and you're looking to make your money, you don't want to open it up when only when movie theaters can only have 50 people in it or 50% or 50% attendance. Like that's not when you want to open it. So I know January 14th is a bump, but hey, it's not that far away, and hopefully it doesn't get bumped any further. So we've been hearing from a lot of our viewers in, in Norway uh, concerned about this, that it got bumped. So here's hoping you get to see it soon, man. All right, what's next? Arndt Olav says, hi, John and crew. Sad news from Norway today. I'm yeah. so sorry to our friends in Norway. No Way Home was supposed to open tomorrow, the 15th, but got pushed to January 14th because of national COVID restrictions. Movie theaters are still open and showing other movies. Even The Matrix is scheduled for December 25th. The reason the distributor, SF Studios here, gave that the movie wouldn't reach its financial potential. Even though movie theater went out of the way putting up extra shows for the film, they decided to pull it. Moviegoers here in Norway are, to say the least, very upset, yeah. hinting they won't see it in theaters even when it comes out on the 14th because of spoilers that'll come out during the next month. What are your thoughts on the situation? Uh, well, I mean, First of all, people are saying, I'm not going to go see it now. Yeah, yeah, you will. Um, besides that, I mean, it, I mean, it totally sucks. I mean, it's a terrible situation. But also priorities. I mean, I don't know what the what the pandemic situation is in Norway. So whatever. But I'm, look, if, if the, the government there is saying, look, this we're concerned. We want the government's number one job is to protect their people. So if you got to do that, you got to do that. So whatever. But I hope you guys get to see it soon. But I've got an answer. You... Our film-loving brothers and sisters in Norway have reached out. And I have heard you. <laughs> and I am going to fix this problem. I'm going to do a hand puppet. You watch <laughs> You watch Parks and Rec? Heck yeah, I watch Parks and Rec. You remember that episode where they were trying to do this fundraising thing, but the, they, the, the power was out, and so Andy started acting out uh, Rambo for everybody there? <laughs> yes. I am going to send Ray Ora. <laughs> I'm going to put Ray Ora on a plane... <laughs> I'm going to send him over to Norway and he is going to act out Spider-Man No Way Home for our film-loving brothers and sisters in Norway. Ray where, is going to save it. He's going to save it. Where do you keep your termination papers? <laughs> <laughs> Ray's going to go there. Ray's going to go there. He's going to be, and then Peter slings his weapon, swings across to this other <laughs> thing. <laughs> and MJ But, MJ but says, you know what? Norway can use a little pleasure. <laughs> oh Norway. God. Norway needs it's a so good cold dose over of there. Pleasure. I need to bring some heat. Norway needs some vitamin P. And I need some <laughs> sweet, sweet vitamin P. <laughs> pleasure. I get off the plane, they're like, this is pleasure? What? <laughs> All right. Oh, my God. What's next? Oh, more sadness from Norway. Film Chris says, I live in Norway and was wow. going to watch No Way Home on Wednesday night. I have never been so excited to see a movie in my life. But since COVID is spreading like crazy in Norway, the movie got pushed back. So I won't be able to see it till January 14th. Devastating. Again, uh, you know, look, at the end of the day, guys. Is this another person from Norway? Yeah, another person yeah. from Norway. Wow. I, I, listen, guys. Wow. As, as you see how hyped I get for movies. 
We did. I mean, our entire we did our tailgate party yesterday, and I'm just like, by the way, how do, how do you like Henry Cavill back? Henry's getting into the spirit. <laughs> He's still in his, yep. Henry's in the spirit back. Got a little mustard yeah. on the chin. <laughs> he liked it. He liked the movie. He loved the movie. You know, Henry did. But see, at the end of the day, it is just a movie. It is. And and we will see it. I mean, we have you in Norway. You will see it. It may take a little longer than we thought. But we will again. I'm not gonna pretend it doesn't suck, though. Of course it sucks. I mean, I I wish you guys could see it sooner. But hang in there, guys. You'll see it soon enough. All right. What's next? Brad C says, "Hey John, down here in Australia, echidnas are a fairly common occurrence, and we pronounce it as echidna." Oh my God, I actually pronounced something right. Echidna. Just thought I'd help you with that one. Love the show. I saw Knuckles is an enchidinia. He's so an that enchilada. Was me He's a classic. Knuckles is an enchidinia, an echidna. I just love that little red enchilada. It's no way home. By the way, they did play. I, <laughs> I was actually a little bummed out because I was kind of thinking when we were watching Spider-Man yesterday, we had a private theater booked for us, right? So I yeah. thought maybe in a private theater, they won't play trailers. But nope, they still played like 25 minutes of trailers. But one of them was that Sonic 2 trailer. And that moment, I love that moment of the trailer when you just hear Idris Elba's voice. What makes you think I need your power? I mean, it's oh, makes oh. <laughs> it so good. All right, what's next? Disney Gifts by Bryce says, yo, since me and my wife still don't feel overly comfortable going to the theaters, we've been going to the drive-in. Nice choice. That. I told her it's going to be like Mad Max trying to get in for Spider-Man. <laughs> it's okay, though. I have a big metal scoop on my Sonata already. Yeah, it's like you're going to be fighting for <laughs> gas to get in. It's like all the That's cars funny. lining up to get into the drive. Hey, no, seriously, when the pandemic was really just going and, and people didn't know how they're going to see the movies and, you know, that's when drive-ins kind of became, you know, more relevant again. Totally. And it was great because I hadn't been to a drive-in in at least 15 years. And Ann and I, we went like three or four times. Oh, we went to the drive-ins. Oh, it was so, it's so much fun. So much fun. We had a great time. We went to go see, first of all, we got to go see that Tom Hanks. Um, oh, what's the one where they play? He's in, doing the Apollo mission again. Um, is it not Finch, is it? No. Apollo 13? Apollo 13. Apollo Thank you. 13. Yes. So we went to see Apollo 13. We went to see Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. We, we saw a couple. We went like four or five times. Had such a good time. And yeah, oh, man. Keep so going. they were playing older and movies at this drive-in. They were playing newer and older. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what what few newer ones were actually slipping out, which and there weren't many, but then they would also play older ones and we would go and watch those too. Yeah. And great. I just want to say that people that put them on, like out here, shout out to the Frida Cinema. It was volunteer based. Right. And I saw Scott Pilgrim versus the world. Oh, nice. So organized. And and it was during the pandemic. And these people did not get paid. They volunteered their time to bring a movie going experience to people who couldn't go to the movies. And I think that's incredible. So again, the film com community strikes again. And you can bring your own food, right? Oh, you know, that's one of the best parts. Yeah. That you, actually, you can bring your own food. You set everything up. Yeah, all you, so you can stuff. have a tailgating party there outside. Yeah. By of. the way, I, I I do. I want to bring this one uh, up again if I if I can. Yeah, there it is. So speaking of Scott Pilgrim versus the world. Um, so this picture was uh, at, at Comic-Con one year. Uh, we did our annual party at Comic-Con and the one year we were honoring, I, I created this thing called the AMC Film Fanatic Award. And it was at that Comic-Con that year that they were debuting Scott Pilgrim versus the world. And we decided to present our AMC Film Fanatic Award to Edgar Wright. 
And so he was there for me to present the award to, and he brought the entire cast to the party that's of so Scott Pilgrim cool. versus the World. And that's where I've shown this picture once before, but that's where this picture was taken. Um, and with me and Brandon Ralph, former Superman, and this picture is kind of notorious because this is the picture that makes it look like I'm trying to teach Brandon Ralph how to give a blowjob. Now, and that, <laughs> somebody, somebody brought that up once. And ever since, My God. ever since they brought that up, that that's what that that picture looks like. I have never been able to unsee it. Now that's and nor will you ever be able to unsee it. That's all you're going to see now if you ever that's look at that form, picture. Wonderful form, John. Wonderful form right there. Beautiful form. It's it's beautiful form. The way yeah. he's looking at you. Oh, and the way he's, he's looking like, at it's like, hi. What the hell? <laughs> what award is this? It's not usually how I do it, this but okay. This is the weirdest award I've ever had. Yeah, not, not, not the best one. This is a better picture of me and Edgar, so that, that's a little bit of a better one. But yes, uh, that was... Uh, yeah, I, oh, what, John, you what, kept that uh, picture up way too long for was, some people. <laughs> what was one of my favorite pictures is now a picture I can never look at again <laughs> the same way. So, yeah, there's that. All right, what's next? Thanos says, how does the partnership with Sony and Marvel work? I understand how it works in terms of who's putting up the money, but does Feige have full control over the movie, story, etc., or does Sony have to agree to the script and all that it's it's a very delicate but good balance sony allows marvel to make the film but everything has to be approved by sony hmm. uh, and now and that brought up a lot of stories because like in the first homecoming there's a lot of like stories that came out about the fact that sony and marvel not in a negative way but they had some some creative back and forth mm -hmm. and i thought the result was a wonderful movie like i i thought the result of the partnership so but i think They've clarified their lines now, but yeah, at the end of the day, the day, Sony had to approve everything. Like every creative decision, Sony had to approve. They, they let Feige and his team run with it, but at the end of the day, they still had to give approval to everything. So that's kind of how it works there. All right, what's next? Sector Forbes says, in the Spider-Man No Way Home trailer, Doctor Strange says that all the villains died because of other Spider-Men. I just rewatched Sam Raimi's third Spider-Man movie and just realized that Sandman didn't die. So what the hell is Sandman's beef in this movie? As people who have now seen the movie, I can give no commentary other than check the movie out. And uh, it's a great question. It's a great question. But go watch the movie for your answer because now I can't give any commentary on it. All right, what's next? Locks says, hi, all. Hope you're well. I can't wait to see No Way Home tomorrow night here in Leicester, England. My heart is telling me Toby and Andrew are in the movie, but my head is telling me they're not. How sure are you that they are in the movie, John? All I will say is that, you know, a year ago, I was like, they're not going to have Andrew, maybe a little bit more than a year ago. They're not going to have Toby McGuire and Andrew Garfield in this movie. Like, like I was pretty damn sure about that. There's no way they're going to put those guys in the movie, right? But as we do, as we hear other people's arguments and as we see new things come up, we reevaluate our position. About four or five months ago, I changed my tune and I started like, you know what? I think they will be in the movie. And I, the big, there a couple of the biggest parts to me that that changed my mind about whether or not I believe they were going to be in the movie was, well, mostly was because when they announced that the villains were were coming, when they announced that that Jamie Fox and and Alfred Molina, at that point to me it was like, well, they must have them in the movie, right? So that's what brought me to that point a few months ago. I won't say anything else. 
because now I've seen the movie. But that's what got me to that point. That's what that's what moved me from being like, there's no way those guys are going to be in the movie to, well, now I do believe they're going to be in the movie. It was a combination of those facts about finding out that those villains were going to be in there, plus another combination of arguments, like good case arguments that a lot of you guys as viewers are writing to me say, John, are you considering this? And then I'd hear those arguments and go, Hey, that one's well that one's ridiculous but that one makes kind of good sense you know what i mean so that's how i got to where i was before i saw the movie all right what's next drew l ray says hey guys love all of you and i watch you every day <laughs> my girl and i have our tickets for no way home on the 16th 17th and 18th nice she's not as excited as me which is weird because she's a bigger spidey fan than i ever am regardless i can't wait love to all good listen it's it is as a film fan I get excited seeing other film fans getting excited. So good on you, Drew. I hope you have a wonderful time. I mean, you bought tickets for three different showtimes, so I certainly hope you like the movie. Or otherwise, you just wasted some money. Other than that, I hope you have a great time, man. And by the way, one of our guests last night, the boyfriend and girlfriend that wore the matching Spider-Man PJs. Yes. Good job, guys. They were oh, comfy yeah. and cute. All right, what's next? <laughs> Henry Cavill's wife says, hey, fam, love the show. I know y'all talk about the terminal a lot. And yes, that is a guilty pleasure for me. But let's Ooh. be honest. There's only two types of Tom Hanks fans. A, the ones who know The Burbs is his best movie. And B, the ones who haven't seen The Burbs. I, I'm not a big fan of The Burbs either. I mean, I, I don't think The Burbs is a bad movie, like The Terminal is a bad movie, but I mean, I mean Ray and Anne would totally disagree no, with that. I haven't seen The Burbs yet, but I will watch it, and I will totally love it. I bet John. you would, actually. I will love I, I, it. Even I, if I don't, I will love it <laughs> with all my heart. I think you and Anne should watch it together. I think yeah. you and Anne should sit down What was that one about again? It was, that's not the... I keep mixing that up with the other I, one. The Money Pit? Did he do Money, money Pit? Yeah, the, the Money Pit he did with Shelley Long. I think it was Shelley Long that he did the Money Pit with. I keep co confusing the plots the for both of those. Burbs, the Burbs is more about what? Just neighbors? They think the neighbor might be a, a killer. Oh, okay. Okay. So there's that one. Anyway. Yeah, you, you and Anne should sit down and watch that. All right, what's next? Mo says, hey, John, Kim, and Ray, love the show. You guys always keep me company whilst working from home. I'm so pumped after seeing the reactions and reviews for No Way Home. Got my tickets booked for tomorrow night. Love from the UK. Listen, all film is subjective, and just because I like something doesn't mean you're going to like it. That's the beautiful thing about movies. But I think you're going to like it, Mo. I think you're going to have a good time, and I certainly hope that you do. All right, what's next? Amazing Spider Manny says, I think it will well surpass $250 million. Yes. I have friends who aren't comic book fans going to multiple viewings with each other and their families. I'm also going to three different showings this weekend. The hype can't be stopped. It's self-sustaining now. It's not going to hit two fifty. I mean, not even, not even. You're right. It's going to surpass it. Not even Thank Sony, you for telling the truth. Not even Sony thinks it's going to get to 200. Variety doesn't even really think it's going to get they to 200. They don't know their own greatness. Uh, maybe, maybe. I think 200 is within reach. I still don't think 250, I still don't think 250 is there. But I will celebrate with you if they do. I hope it does. All right, my dude. It would we'll be see awesome if it does. Because not only, and John, why would you be happy if it does? You don't get any of that money. I know, but. <laughs> Surprisingly enough, Sony does not send me a percentage of the of the box office receipts. What? I know, right? What's crazy? Oh my God. Um, <laughs> you should be the first name on the payroll. That's right. Come on, Sony. Send me a cut of that Spider-Man money. But 
here's the thing. Not only am I thrilled, would I be thrilled if it did? Because this is a, I, I celebrate when good movies do well. This is a really good movie I want to do well. But it also would say this. If this movie were to make $250 million opening weekend, I mean, hell, even if it makes $150 million opening, it means this. But, but at $250 million, it means so many people are going back to the theaters. Because again, we talked about it the other week. Variety did that report did a report on that study that showed that 49% of people who consider themselves fairly regular moviegoers have not started going back to the movies yet in the pandemic. And if Spider-Man No Way Home can hit 250 million, not only does that mean a good movie is getting rewarded, it also means more people are coming back to the movies. Yes. And that would be a win-win-win-win. So I don't think it's going to happen. But I hope it does. I hope it does. All right, what's next? Uh, excuse me. Byron Dunn says, did you see the trailer for Everything, Everywhere, All at Once? Starring our goddess, Michelle Yeoh. Michelle Yeoh. Multiverse Madness directed by... Mo, mo, multiversal Madness directed by the Daniels of Swiss Army Man fame. Drops in March. I need it now. It looks like the best acid trip ever. Did you guys ever seen the Swiss Army Man? The one with Daniel yes. Radcliffe? Mm -hmm. That is a ridiculous movie. That is like it's a, crazy. That that farting. Is a, oh, that is a that is a really oddball kind of movie. Anyway, um, yeah, we talked about the other day that everything everywhere all wants. Like the trailer starts and get up, but it's got Michelle Yeoh. If you got Michelle Yeoh, I'm I'm you got my attention. And that thing just went nutty. I'm very excited to see it, Byron, to be honest with you. I can't wait to watch mm -hmm. it. I think it's got a lot of promise. All right, what's next? Dangerous D says, hi, John. You see the trailer for Everything Everywhere at Once? <laughs> Comes in bunches. It stars Michelle Yeoh and Jamie Lee Curtis. It's mostly an Asian cast. It's about a woman who can travel to the multiverse, and she inhabits the body of her counterparts. It looks good. Seen it? Uh, again, we, were we just talked about it. It looks fantastic to me. You got Michelle Yeoh in there. You got my attention. But it's not just Michelle Yeoh. It played out great. It looks like it could be really interesting. It's just a bonkers fun. You, look, I'm a simple man. You show me Michelle you Michelle Yeoh doing any kind of kung fu, I'm there. I'm there. Doesn't matter. All right, what's next? Chris says, hey, John, I love you, Kim and Ray. One thing that saddens me about No Way Home is that sadly the great John Schnepp won't yeah. be able to see or experience it. Really wish he were here to see it. Would love to know what his thoughts would be on the movie. Hashtag say stay sweaty. Oh, look, I, mm. I mean, obviously, I'm I do not oh. inhabit, nor did I ever inhabit the brain of John Schnapp. Oh, what a beautiful brain that was. And what a beautiful brain. But I can tell you right now, oh, Schnapp would have loved this movie. It it just it had so many of the things that he loved so consistently, and so I feel very very safe in telling you Schnapp would have loved this movie. And you know, it's it's funny because. And speaking of Spider-Man, the first movie I remember that I walked out of once the movie was done and I thought to myself, damn, I wish Schnepp could have seen that. It was another Spider-Man movie. It was Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Mm. That was the movie to me. I still remember which exact door I used to leave the AMC theater. It was the second door over from the customer service desk. That's the door I walked out of after I left the theater and I walked through the foyer and then I walked outside. That was that door that I walked through. And I still remember coming about three paces to the, those big stairs that go down after that. And I remember stopping and going, Schnepp would have loved this movie after watching into the uh, multiverse uh, Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. 
And you can't help but kind of have that same feeling coming out of No Way Home. He totally would have. He told, oh, he would have loved that one so much. All right, what's next? Major Tom says, hey, John, there are two types of people in this world. Those who love Star Wars and those we pray for. <laughs> Just kidding. Anyway, the company I work for is taking us to lunch this weekend and to see Spider-Man afterwards. It's going to be awesome. Uh, that's awesome, Major. I'll tell you what. When Ann used to work for Hasbro, and, and you know, Ann is, uh, she's uh, uh, somebody over at Apple now. Ann does her work for Apple now. But when she was at Hasbro doing her thing there, one of the coolest things about her job was because there's so many movie properties connected to Hasbro properties, mm -hmm. they would have staff screenings of those movies, so right? Fun. Which was really, really cool. And another thing, when I used to work at AMC, um, I don't know if every AMC theater did this, but when there was a big movie coming out, an AMC theater would have a staff screening, like well before the movie would open, right? And our local AMC theaters, they would just like, hey, we're having a staff screen. Like one of the managers over at the AMC, we're having a staff screen. You want to come? I mean, like, yeah, I'll come and go to that. So that that stuff was always fun too. So I'm glad you're getting that, Major Tom. All right, what's next? All I got to say about that is I wonder if their boss knows if they're like a diehard Spider-Man fan because if something happens and they're like, yeah. <laughs> and they're like, oh, sorry. Oh, never, listen, I've, never I've, mind. <laughs> I've been in those AMC staff. I'm the quiet uh, accountant. <laughs> no, no, they 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 are a rowdy bunch. Nice. Because you get a lot of like you got to see it with the right the folks. Speak. Yeah, you got to see it with the right folks. But these are movie fans that work at these theaters, so it's pretty cool. All right, what's next? Andrew G. Torres says, "I don't understand this Spider-Man nostalgia bait." Why do people want to see this? It makes no sense from a story perspective. I'd rather see alternate Tom Hollands who make a different choice, like becoming Punisher instead or embrace Stark Industries. Uh, here's the thing, Andrew. Like, why are you trying to judge a story you haven't watched yet? <laughs> like, see a story. Like, don't pronounce what didn't work when you haven't seen if it works or not. That's all I'm going to say. Like, I'm not going to say what is or is not in this movie. I'm just going to say... We watched the movie. We saw the narrative and the story of the movie. The story completely makes sense, mm -hmm. and it works. Um, so, yeah, I wouldn't say don't be don't be what I used to be, because for a long time I was one of these guys that would go, "This is what they need to do in this upcoming movie." Like, you have no idea what's in the script or what they're going for or know anything, and yet you, Campia, you're trying to say what they should do in this movie that you know nothing about. I used to do that all the time. And it was a couple of years ago that I decided, you know what? I am not going to do that anymore. So now when people write in and say, John, what do you what do you want to see in the new Fantastic Four? I'm like, nope. I don't, I don't create a checklist now about what the filmmakers need to do in their movie. I just want you to show me the movie. So let's not let's not be that. Let's not would be what Campia was, where yeah. we start telling them what what checkboxes you need to mark off. There's there's many times where I feel people go into a movie and look for the worst thing they can find. And not just enjoy the movie for what it is. Well, sometimes you the know, movies show you the worst. Yeah, thing, yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I get that, but there's certain people that can just want to be a shit show the whole time. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, so like, yeah, Andrew. So what I would say, Andrew, is you and me are on the same page. You, you and me are doing the same thing. We're kind of creating these checkboxes. I would say, let's not worry about. Well, this is what they should do in this movie, dude. You haven't even seen the movie. You have no idea what what they're going for or anything. So I would say. Take a breath. Don't be, don't do what I used to do. <laughs> and let's just go see the movie and see if it works. You don't don't pronounce it didn't do. work. What's that? Give me another ticket. 
That's, that's, that's the only thing they should do. <laughs> give Ray another ticket. All right, what's next? Anonymous says, hey, John, Kim, and Ray. John, I remember when you and Aaron went to CinemaCon and you mentioned a certain National Geographic documentary that caught my eye. Yes. It's called The Rescue. Uh-huh. The documentary that chronicles the rescue of the 12 boys from a flooded Thai cave. Well, I was browsing the films on Disney Plus and the film is on there. Haven't had a chance to watch it yet, but I thought I would pass that along to you and anybody that was interested in watching it. Yeah, they they should. Because here's the interesting thing about that. They showcase not one, but two movies about the same thing. One is a documentary and one is an actual narrative movie, a motion picture they made about it. And they showcase both of them at CinemaCon. Oh, okay. And so there's going to be a documentary about it, which I think, I can't remember if it's out now or I was not. just going to say, wasn't there a theatrical? I thought this and, was and a then theatrical. There's a full so fledged, there are two. Yes. Oh. And then a full theatrical movie about okay. it, which is a really th- thing. You're looking forward to this, right? Kim, who wrote that in? Do you, who wrote that in? <laughs> that, unfortunate. that was... Um, Casey? Casey McNatt. Thank you, Casey. I'm going to watch that as soon as I'm done with the show today. Documentaries <laughs> well, are my thing. It's out yet documentaries are my thing but she said she was looking at disney plus and it was on there oh is it out there okay so there it is yeah it's yeah i'm watching that today thank you you ray loves that kind of stuff yeah ray loves that kind of stuff who who was in the uh what what actor was in the big stars and i can't remember i just remember it was big stars but that one isn't out yet no that one's not out yet but like it was like three big significant wow i can't remember i can't remember you know in my head i was just thinking antonio was antonio banderas but then i realized that was that movie about the miners that got stuck and that came out oh, like a year and right. a half There's ago. A minor thing. Oh, and speaking of Antonio Banderas, we just saw uh the, we just saw last night the trailer for Uncharted with Antonio Banderas. Mm. Yes. He works as a bad guy. He really does. He does. Yeah. Antonio. All right, what's next? <laughs> can I just say sorry, it's total side note. One of my I don't know why this is, but one of my favorite Saturday Night Live skits of all time. What was the one, uh, 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 Emilio, no, not Emilio, Emilio Sanchez? There was one of the actors on Saturday Night Live for a long time. Oh, I don't know. I can't, I can't remember his name, but one of my favorite Saturday Night Live sketches of all time, maybe even in my top Horatio? 10. Horatio? Horatio Sands! Horatio. I think it was Horatio. I could be wrong, but I think it was Horatio. But there was an episode of Saturday Night Live, and this might be in my top 10, where Antonio Banderas was the guest host. I think he was the guest host, or maybe there was somebody pretending to be Antonio Banderas, but they were doing a, pretending there was some kind of an Antonio Banderas thing. And I know, I remember almost nothing about the sketch except for this, except for Antonio would be bothered by something. And he was like, I must unbutton one of the buttons on my shirt. And then this guitar player, as he's about to unbutton a shirt. And meanwhile, the other guy in the cast just had to go, no, Antonio, no, too sexy, too sexy. No, Antonio, Oh, yeah, I remember that. Antonio would unbutton the shirt. The guitars would go. And then a little bit later in the sketch, he goes, I must now unbutton another button. No, Antonio, too sexy, too sexy. I remember that. I think Fred Armisen might have been in that sketch. Maybe, too. maybe I might not have been. It might not have been Horatio Sanchez. He was it might like... be somebody else. Maybe that was too <laughs> far back. But whenever I think now of Antonio Antonio Banderas, all I hear in my head is "No, Antonio, too sexy, too sexy." That's all. <laughs> that's all I hear in my head now. Totally off topic. Sorry about that. What's next? Okay, I'm sorry to be off topic, John. Okay, well, I, I was d- just took us way off topic. This is totally off topic. But I just saw that our friend Betty White is turning a hundred. And I just wanted to say, she, really? I think that's so fantastic and amazing. Is she really turning 100? She's turning 100. I just wanted to mention that because... She's got better 
Like your just, girl loves a Golden Girls episode, like The Shade. Oh, that show, The Shade. But her career, and she's a hundred, and just a sweetheart. I just wanted to mention that because I know our fans would appreciate that. A hundred uh, years old. Uh, you know what? I still remember. Do you remember she? Do you remember Lake Placid? Did you see? Yeah. Lake, oh, yeah. With yeah. The giant yeah. alligator. <laughs> yes. Oh my God! Yeah. And then we were just talking a little bit earlier about the proposal. Yeah, that's right. How great is she in the proposal? The baby maker. Oh, <laughs> if you get cold, put on the baby maker. Oh. Anyway. <laughs> All right. What's next? Craig H says, hello, John. Sent you a message and a friend request on Facebook. Keep doing what you're doing. Chef pleasures, Kim and the goat. Oh. John Giovanni Campia. Keep bringing the filthy. Thank you. I, I have not been able to accept any friend requests for like three years. Really? I mean, I don't know if they changed, but what happened was is I, I would just always accept anybody sending me friend crust, but yeah. I guess there's a limit to how many you can accept. Oh, okay. So what you need to do is you need to change your page from private to um, like business or something like that. You oh, have no, to change you, you the status. You mean change it from a profile Profile page. to... From profile to profile a page. To a page. Yeah. It's and profile I to I will page. never run into And I have problem. no interest in doing that. You have to do that. <laughs> yeah. and, and I get a lot too, you guys. I have two. The one that I'm in a pink shirt, that's my work one. So send your request there. The other one's just friends and family. But I don't want people to think that I'm being mean. Right. Because I'm not. Right. I, I just keep Well, it thank you for the kind words though, Craig. Appreciate that very much. All right, what's next? And then Ray has all the social media. <laughs> like social media. Yeah, that's why I shut it off. There's too many. <laughs> too many. People always like, Ray, Ray. I'm flexing it out there oh on God. social media. All right. MD says, why exactly do we have to be enamored with Echo before her show starts? We're about to start a run of MCU shows where we haven't met the characters beforehand. Moon Knight, Miss Marvel, She-Hulk. She's just another new character we'll learn in the show. No? No. And I'll tell you why. Oh, tell us. Because I actually agree with that. Yeah, no, because here's the thing. Well, we haven't seen Moon Knight yet. Yeah. So we haven't gotten bored with Moon Knight yet. Moon Knight is starting with a clean slate. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm sorry. But right now, we have now started. We've now been introduced to Echo. And she's not that interesting of a character. That was cold-blooded, John. It's cold. It looked, but I listen, cold my blooded. job is here to call like it is. <laughs> You're like, we haven't gotten bored from him yet. We're like, with Shang-Chi, we had never met Shang-Chi yet. But we come right out of the gate with Shang-Chi. They come yeah. out of the gate. They make you like him right away, blah, blah. And now we're got a show called Echo coming out with a character that we have met. And we're not all that interested in, to be quite frank. And I don't blame the actress. She's doing a great job playing this character. No, they just haven't yeah, given, she's doing good. They just haven't made an interesting character yet. So, yeah, all these things, were, we've never seen Moon Knight. We've never met Ms. Marvel. We hadn't met Shang-Chi. Yes. So we went a totally clean slate. And that job, that show had to come out or that movie had to come out and get us on board. It is very rare that you start off behind. And they are now starting off behind with Echo. So, listen, one of the things they got to do in this final episode of Hawkeye is they've got to, I still want it to be about Hawkeye. I don't make it about Echo, but you better have Echo in a decent chunk of it and you better make her more interesting. And don't just give me a cliffhanger with her. Yes. You need to flesh out her character a bit more and make her more interesting because I don't care if she's holding a box that starts glowing and then it cuts to black. I don't care. Make her more interesting. Make her more interesting. Yes. So because as of right now, if Hawkeye comes out tomorrow and then just and then ends, 
I don't know that I'm going to watch I'm Echo. I, I'm not even sure I'm going to give it a chance. Yeah, somebody asked in, in the live chat, will, will the Echo show have subtitles? Well, it better. <laughs> but by the way, at that whole hubbub everybody had about, well, there are a couple of shots in West Side Story where Steven Spielberg doesn't use subtitles. That means he hates English people. No, no. By the way, in Spider-Man No Way Home, minor spoiler. Oh, yeah. There's, there's stuff where there's no subtitles. And guess what? It totally is fine. It totally works. So just like, don't get all up on Steven Spielberg because Spider-Man and the Spider-Man uh, No Way Home too. does that the same was, thing. That was funny. Anyway, all right, what's next? Well, on the same note, K-Spotted Bear says, Hi, John and crew. A while back, Marvel announced Cap 3 as a fake out and was called Cap and Snakes or something. Or Serpent other. Society. Ah. And at the end, it was revealed as Civil War. Is it a possibility that the Echo Show is actually Daredevil? For me, it's above oh. 60%. Thanks. Nope. I mean, is it a possibility? Oh. Everything's a possibility. It could be a vision show. But the difference is this. It was still Cap 3. True. That's all. I mean, they, they announced Cap. It's true. They mm -hmm. announced a new Captain America movie, and it was a new Captain America movie. They just, they just give us a little misdirect on who the villain of it would be. Like, it wasn't going to be Serpent Society. It was actually going to be Civil War. They were doing something a little bit different. But it was still, they announced Cap 3, and they did Cap 3. Here, they're announcing Echo. And if it was gonna, if you're going to try to compare it to the Captain America situation, then it's still going to be an Echo show. It's just that maybe instead of, you know, Kingpin being the villain, maybe somebody else would be the villain. I mean, I don't know, but that's that. So is it possible? Yes. Because they've done... Not really similarly before, but something like that. But it, it could be. I mean, the one thing that makes me think it might be possible is the fact that they really haven't done anything with this Echo character. I feel like it's a shell name. It has to be because unless Homegirl's going to start glowing at the end mm. and she's just going to like burst into flames and end up being Ghost Rider or something. I don't know. <laughs> I really don't think that this is the real show. Yeah, but. I mean, that's the only thing that makes me think that. But I'm going to go well under 60 percent. Yeah. Well under 60 percent. But, but possible. All right, what's next? Fei Li 315 says, When the last Spidey movie came out, I went alone because none of my friends were interested in it. This time, there's 10 of us going together. <laughs> I don't know how the MCU hype suddenly hit my friends group, but in any case, we will have a blast on Thursday night. That is awesome. Hey, listen, I'm totally good with going to the movies alone. If Anne's busy and I can't find anybody that's, that maybe I'm going in the middle of the day, I love going to the movies alone. No problem. But it's always better when you're going with friends. It's always better because they're shared experiences, and I hope you have a really good time, man. All right, what's next? Garden Variety Bag Vagabond says, John et al., there was a great interview of Keanu Reeves with Stephen Colbert. Second post person mentioning yep, it. Yep, posted on YouTube. I highly recommend all to catch it. Some great points within it was, one, what was the stunt he enjoyed most? And two, how was it doing stunts 20 years later? There's a part two. What... What movie would he personally like to do a sequel to? And four, what was it like getting the phone call about the fourth Matrix movie? A great interview lasting 17 minutes with his great charisma and outstanding rapport between the two icons. First of all, what is not to love about good Canadian kid Keanu Reeves? What is not to love about Keanu Reeves? I'm in love with him. I, but this brings up an interesting thing, Garden Variety, talking about Matrix. I really don't think it's going to do well. I I hope it does, 
I really do. And when I say I don't think it's going to do well, I don't think it's going to make $8 million opening week. I think it's better than that. But between the long delay between films, Mm -hmm. the fact that the second two Matrix films were not all that well received, Mm -hmm. the fact especially that it's also getting a day and date release on HBO HBO Max, Max. I... And the trailers are fantastic. I'm not hearing buzz about it. And and maybe a possibility of that is that Spider-Man No Way Home is a buzz black hole. Spider-Man No Way Home is soaking up all the buzz right now. So maybe that's a symptom of that. I really don't think Matrix is going to do great. Without HBO Max, do you think it would have done better? It would better? do better. I mean, sure. I mean, that's-, that's a given, but do you think it would have been like... Well, then you're still dealing with a problem that has been so many years since the last one and the fact that the final two ones weren't all that great to to a lot of people. But it would certainly help if it was a theatrical exclusive. I mean, it would certainly help. So, I I mean, I don't know. I don't know where I'm... I have a hard time guessing right now how much money I think this movie's going to make opening weekend. Like, I don't think it's going to make 50. I don't think it's going to make 50. I don't think it's going to make what Spider-Man just made on one day. Mm. I don't think it'll make 50 on its Thursday, Friday, Saturday opening. Damn. Who knows? You know what it randomly got got me excited for is I don't know I forgot when it's coming but I can't wait to see the John Wick Four trailer. I don't know I don't know when it's dropping. I don't. It's not. I don't no. know when it's dropping. I'm just saying John Wick Four. Keanu Reeves <laughs> with the cast has got me really excited. Now that I'd like to do a watch for oh, some sort of. Oh watch, my god! I cannot wait for John Wick Four. Cannot wait for that. All right, what's it. next? Jared Goff Midian says, hi, John and crew. I just saw West Side Story at a local AMC theater. I loved it. And I paid $25 for a ticket. I couldn't believe how much the price was. And I debated not seeing it. But being a musical theater fan, I wanted to support it. Why was her ticket so high? Hold on. I love going to the movie theaters, but if prices keep going up like this, I might have to stop going to the theater and just wait until movies go to streaming. I understand why ticket and concession prices are going up, but it's getting ridiculous. Listen, I'll tell you what. I, like, what? like you go to, you know, my favorite theater to go to is an AMC Dolby Prime. You go to an AMC Dolby Prime in L.A. at prime hours, say on a Friday night, 7 o'clock show, you're paying about 22 bucks. So I can definitely see there being some places maybe you're going to an IMAX 3D and it costs $25. I mean, I don't think there's anywhere in the country where a regular movie ticket costs that much, but but the point is it's getting higher. And in that study that we referenced earlier that Variety had put out, the study that was commissioned said that 49% prior to Spider-Man, 49% of semi-regular moviegoers had not started going back since the pandemic. There were two major reasons they found. One was because of safety regarding the pandemic, but the other one was cost. Now, I still believe the price of going to the movies is an incredible value. Chris Rock was talking about that. He says, man, the going to the movies is still the cheapest date you can do. It is. I mean, it's, it's a good value for what you're getting. Yeah. But the prices continue to go up and they've got to start to manage that. And they've started to get they got to get a handle on that because you're right, Jared. At some point, these things are just going to get so expensive. It's going to become untenable. So they got to fix this. They do. They have to fix this. All right. What's next? Wes Maurer says, hey, John, Kim and Ray, I got No Way Home tickets the night they went on sale for the late Saturday show at my favorite theater. But today, just for fun, I went online and by some miracle, got the last two back row tickets for the 3 p.m. show on Thursday. How is that even possible? LOL. Yeah. Listen, I uh, thanks for that in, Wes. That's one of the things is that with all the stories about 
Man, my theater, the Thursday show's theater sold out in 15 seconds. There are also stories of, I just bought tickets for the Thursday showing and there were still seats available. Wes was able to still grab a couple of seats. Granted, the last ones, but they were still there. So, I mean, it's I'm going to be very interested to see. Look, I honestly think Sunday is going to come and we're going to find out opening. I'm not going to be surprised if we find out opening weekend is $151 million. I'm also not going to be surprised if we find out it's 210. Like I really, I, I'm not really sure other than it's not going to be 250, but God, I hope it is. I hope it is. But it, it's just one of those things that's really hard to tell. Anecdotally, you can't just go, it's like, well, I was in a theater and it was packed. Therefore, it's going to make $50 billion opening weekend. Well, but then for that, there's also people writing and saying, oh yeah, I just went today and checked it out. There's still open seats. So it, it's who knows. Who knows? All I know is it's a really good movie. I think most of you are going to enjoy it and have a really good time watching it. And you should get out and check it out. And with that, guys, that wraps it up for today's installment of the John Campy Show. Listen, there are still more questions that you guys have sent in since Wes Mauer. Don't worry. We'll get to those in a companion video over the weekend. Hang tight for that. And don't forget, guys, remember, I mentioned this at the top of the show. So just if you can, if you joined us late. We accidentally had the super chat feature still turned on when the show started and we weren't planning on taking any comments, but don't worry, any comments you guys sent in before I turned it off, we will read those comments on the Spider-Man open spoiler discussion show that we have coming on Sunday at 1 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. That'll be 4 p.m. Uh, New York time. So make sure you guys come back and join us for that. But for now... That'll do it for this episode of the John Campy Show. Thank you guys so much for being here and being a part of this show. Big special thank you to all you guys who sent in those questions. Number one, because you gave us great fun things to talk about. But number two, you supported this channel as you did it. And all of us involved with the John Campy Show, thank you guys very much for your support. I, of course, want to thank Kimberly Curran. Kimberly, where can people follow you online? Yeah, guys, I am on Instagram at wasgoodkimberly. And Courtney, baby sister, happy birthday, my love. Oh, your sister's birthday? Aww. Happy birthday Happy to Kimberly's birthday. sister. Incredible woman. Incredible woman. And of course, Ray Ora. It's also, it's his birthday today. Yeah, it's always my birthday. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> it's time to take a nap. It's always my birthday. <laughs> Ray Ora, the O is a zero. Get it right. And, uh, and of course, I'm kidding. It's not actually his birthday today. But anyway, guys, <laughs> uh, and you can follow me on Twitter and on Instagram simply at John Campia. All right, guys, that'll do it for this episode of the John Campia Show. Thanks a lot for being here. My name's John Campia. And until next time, my friends, bye bye.